BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. What's up? <clears throat> Fucking dog. <clears throat> What's up, Gypsy gang? We're back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast and frothing for this one. Uh, if you've ever listened to Supercross Companion, if you've ever heard me bang on about technique and just generally froth out uh then good chance it's been on chase sexton uh the dude is an absolute animal on a bike um a guy that i spent a lot of time watching just for like my own riding so uh to get a chance to talk to him about some of that stuff is pretty rad um and just a cool cool guy man that's like really 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 dedicated to what he does uh and it's been that way his whole life he just doesn't know another way to be so i love when we can really talk into like this deep kind of gnarly mindset stuff because um i just i I know people enjoy it i know people that listen to the podcast implement that stuff uh into their life i have a bunch of conversations with you guys about it so um i think this is like a pretty cool one uh for that side of things bunch of stuff about the team the 450 class um the sport of supercross like this was a really really cool episode so massive thanks to chase um also side note maybe one of the most brutally honest dudes about themselves that i've ever spoke to um chase went to places where you really don't expect a guy to go to uh in you know this kind of format and i just got mad respect for that man like self-awareness if you don't have it go and get it uh and chase sexton has definitely uh got a whole lot of self-awareness so uh this episode is brought to you as always by our wonderful sponsors the guys at mx store you can head to mxstore.com.au same day shipping if you order before 2 p.m uh stocking stuffers big overhaul stuff, new 2020 gear. Um, they've got everything. They have, actually, our next uh, sponsor, they got bunches of Go The Rat gear. Um, if you're sleeping on Go The Rat, then I don't know what you're doing because uh, Australia's newest, hottest, newest, oldest, hottest gear brand uh, has just dropped. Uh, I'm incredibly proud of my boy, Sammy, for doing this um there's not many gear companies in australia that are operating on the level that these guys already are so super stoked to be involved with that go the rat racing.com if you're american or wherever in the world listening to this just go to the website just to see like the heritage um this is like an aussie brand all through like the 70s 80s and 90s um i had this stuff like literally i got baby photos and go the rat shit so um and as well sammy runs fist so that's fisthandwear.com gypsy gang is going to get you 20 percent off um we're also brought to you by the crew at anti-gravity batteries please do yourself a favor and go on their website they make so much sick shit, it's ridiculous. Um, we got a little care package the other day. Uh, I haven't had a chance to go through and take the photos and stuff, but I've, I've gone through everything. Um, and, oh, I love... Actually, 
that reminds me, I'm going to go downstairs. I'm going to take that shit to the track tomorrow because I'm probably going to be working in the car on the way to the track. Um, they do like the full USB uh, power deal um, batteries. They do restart batteries for your dirt bikes. If you've got like a trail bike and you run it down, you'll uh, they've got a battery that allows you to like get a start out of it. Um, they do stuff with Star. They do stuff with Pro Circuit. Uh, they, yeah, they're killing it. So, antigravitybatteries.com. Just do yourself a favor. Go to the website. See all the cool stuff. If you're a tech nerd at all like me, you'll love it. Uh, we're also brought to you by the guys at Rival Inc. Design Co. Graphics, ladies, if you're listening, they're a great gift for your bloke that you just, you know, you just don't know what to get him for Christmas. Um, head to the guys at Rival Inc. Design Co. I'm due for some freshies pretty soon my 350 needs love bad um and you know what just uh chuck a fresh graphics kit on from the guys at rival uh and you dial so rivalinkdesignco.com code is gypsy gang and also the guys at cricks tweed cricks tweed.com.au if you're in the market for a new or used vehicle so uh also new merch uh the gypsy licious tea and the peak uh gypsy peak performance tea uh is up there as well um get into it gypsytales.com love you all I appreciate you all Chase Sexton he's a G what's up oh dude stoked we're doing it I know it's been a long time coming right. yeah man I'm stoked eh? we've been uh, we've been trying to make this one happen for a hot minute I know well I'm always this week was busy for me, but I have like I've been doing so much media stuff that like I'm not really yeah. training that much, so I have a little bit extra time. So after this week, it's back to work, so it's kind of perfect timing. Yeah, th- these things always work out when they're like meant yeah. to work out too. You know, like it's just because it's a pretty big time commitment, like three hours, and then you know it's like whatever time it takes to get here and then leave. So it's just it yeah. is what it is. Yeah, I'm glad but we got to do it, it though, because now after, I mean, especially when the season starts, it's kind of like, it's hard, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, well, let's, let's hook in, bro. How's, uh, how's it all going? You full off-season, like you said, off-season grind, media grind, same questions by everybody. How's the bike? How's this? How's that? Yeah, I mean, I actually just got done with the the team like intro for 2022 and it's 12 interviews of the same question over and over like oh how you feel how's everything how's everything been going um and the normal answer is great so um (laughs) i think everyone's kind of in the same boat at this point everyone's been riding by themselves and uh everyone feels good so for me i uh i spent a lot of time in santa barbara this off season um just kind of training up there with peter park riding castillo ranch so it was different for me something that changed it up a little bit just from being back in florida and whatnot so uh yeah i'm excited and i think it was a good move for my part well did you uh did you get any waves in santa Barbara? was that a part of the program at all because it's pretty good surf even though the water is cold as fuck there yeah i actually for probably the first three weeks i didn't surf at all which i was bummed about because i brought my board and everything i'm like if i don't use this thing and bring it all the way up here in my truck i'm gonna be so bummed so yeah. <laughs> i ended up getting out it was pretty small though like those islands off like i would say that off the coast of santa barbara yeah, there's the like channel, three of channel them islands. yeah there's three of them there's like santa yeah. cruz and then two smaller ones they kind of block a little bit of swell 
I think they said it has to be a direct north swell for them to get like big big waves, which they do get. Um, so I went there and uh, it was like one to two foot for forever, and then one day it was like two to three, and there were sets coming in like I swear five foot sets, and I'm like, all right, sweet. So I went out there. The waves are pretty steep up there, so I was I was struggling because I'm not that good. And I got the hang of it though. Got a few. I caught a few bombs, um, and it was pretty funny because there was a there was one wave I caught one day. Like I was out there for probably two hours, and it was probably the biggest wave I've seen that day. And I'm the worst one out there, and I caught it. I was so stoked. That's so sick, dude. Uh, yeah, I mean the like the transition from being like one of the best motocross riders on the planet to being just like the most average shit surfer. It must be pretty frustrating at times well it's just it's my like the if you see a four foot wave by like sitting i mean you're sitting on your board yeah and then yeah, you yeah like i will jump any jump any day but i see a four foot wave or anything bigger than that i'm like heck no i'm pulling out like there's no way i'm hitting it or paddling into this wave so it takes a few like spills like going over the falls a little bit to get yeah your nerves calm back down but paddling out and trying to get under those waves is the is the hardest part and it's it's uh i went with kenny a few times he takes me to his like behind his house and man like i went out there i thought i was gonna die it was like the one of the first times i went out and i'm like yeah i'm not serving's not for me but once you get used to it it's not it's not horrible what um are you just got that big blue board like is that the that's your only board that you surf no i actually so RS is like, it's a newer company, newer surf, um, brand. And they, I forgot. So my agency, the family, there's multiple like categories. They have surf, they have a surf category, everything. So yeah, yeah. They, we connected with red, uh, I'm trying to think. So Brad Edinger was friends with one of the surf part, um, the agent of fam, the family. So we connected. He, uh, he's, I, I think he's with, uh, I don't know the social part he runs the show pretty much over there for like media and whatnot at uh, red spot. So I hooked up with them and then, yeah, I've been pretty, uh, pretty blessed so far. I got, I've had three boards now within, I mean, I've been serving for a year, so I'm on a new, it's like a seven, six, but it's pretty thin and it kind of, they say it feels like a short board, even though I've never ridden one, but it's, it's relatively thin, not a lot of volume. And, uh, yeah, I mean it's hard for me. I'm I'm not that good at paddling. I I feel like I'm a pretty strong guy, and I see chicks like just completely out yeah. paddling on a smaller board. And it's just it's the most humbling thing ever. So, but I I enjoy it, and yeah, Dude. it's I got a new board. I'm gonna send it to Florida, so I'll be able to surf all year round, which I'm looking forward to because I need to get better. I cannot be this bad at this. <laughs> Dude, it's gnarly. You know what you need to do is you need to try and get onto uh, Surf Ranch. Uh, slaters because mm-hmm. like that's the problem with like w- when i moved to california i i'd never surf because where i grew up in australia there's like i grew up on like the great barrier reef so yeah. there's just this massive reef that stops every wave so i'd never even seen a wave until i moved to california pretty much and uh i started just surfing every single day i lived in temecula and i'd drive 45 minutes to oceanside and uh it's just the hardest thing to get good at like you have to put in so much time like you said no matter how fit or strong you are 
paddle fitness is paddle fitness is like bike fitness you know what i mean it's just it's such like a sport specific thing and you're so right like you're laying down and you're looking at this thing it's like not even fucking shoulder high and then you're like looking at it like this thing's gonna kill me yeah i mean it exactly like you said like it's just you could take two weeks off of surfing and for me i'm only in california for let's say three months of the year. Mm. So I'm seven, seven months of it. I'm not surfing. Cause I don't surf in Florida. I haven't yet at least. And just trying to get my legs back and getting some paddle motion. Like once I'm in the water, I try like in Florida, we wake surf a lot. So I'm like, I'm now trying in Florida to like paddle into a wave on a wake surf. So I can try and somewhat replicate <laughs> surfing. Cause I can wake surf all day long, but I can't, I can surf, but I'm not that good at it. So yeah, it's I lose it so fast and Kenny says the same thing. You have to like it's so repetitive. It's just like riding. I mean, for us though, yeah. I mean, I'm at the point where riding like I can obviously I'm going to lose fitness, but I can get take 2 months off the bike and get back on and I feel like I'm just as fast as when I got off. But surfing, I definitely yeah. don't have the the base <laughs> that I have riding a dirt bike. Do you feel like uh so my like I do jiu-jitsu pretty seriously so it's like a I train you know three four times a week and I've been doing it for five years now and uh I sometimes find uh that because you sort of you get like a little little niggly injuries and you're sort of taken you know sometimes I've had to take like months off do you find that sometimes when you come back from a layoff you're actually faster like instantly faster than what you were when you left but then you sort of go backwards a little bit it's I can't explain it and I don't know whether it's something like and people in jiu-jitsu talk about it but it's like man I can have two months off training and I'll go back first class fucking blitz everyone and then like the next class is just back to kind of normal so you're just like hero for a day after like a long layoff it's funny because I feel the same exact way riding like I could come off I feel like you get so I don't I feel like you almost get so narrow-minded like I want to go faster. I want to mm. like you get so stuck into the same rut that when I come off of it, like say an injury or I came back from off season, I go out and I'm just, I feel like I'm, I don't know how it is. I just feel fresh. I feel like refreshed. I feel like my body yeah. feels good. I can move easier. Like there's some parts of the season where we get so tired and beat up that you don't ride the dirt bike as good as what you should. And it's but you can't it's you can't replicate taking two months off because you'll never have that time during the season so you kind of it's hard because you want to have as much riding on the bike because that's when i feel the best you're feeling wise but when you take time off and you feel your body's fresher you can move easier and you can do certain things that you can't do if you're super tired which you can do pretty much everything when you're tired it's just those little things when you're riding that when you're fresh it's just way easier to do which is it's crazy because that, that what you exactly what you said. I feel the same way on a dirt bike. I don't know if I just feel like I'm going faster because I haven't ridden in forever, but it feels great. Yeah, it's bizarre, man. Like I've thought about it a lot, and I I feel like it. That's probably a physical thing, uh, definitely. But I wonder if there's like some kind of just like mental freshness that's there. Like mm-hmm. there's just a new kind of froth to ride. You're super excited, and and for me. I think about jujitsu all the time. So like, I'm always thinking about how to get better. I'm thinking about new ways to do things. I'm like, like I can be sitting, uh, there was, I trained last week and then I had the same thing happening. 
And then I was like, I need to stop this. And then I just had like a light bulb. I was just randomly working. And it, it's almost like it's ticking away in the back of your mind while you're doing other shit. And then it was like, bang, light bulb moment. And I was like, I need to get a collar grip and then this and then a sleeve grip here, in, like straight away. And it's just like two tiny little technical details so it's like it's always in the back of your mind and then it feels like after a long layoff it's like you've got all this shit stored in your brain Mm -hmm. and then you're like finally getting a chance to go out and do it but then once you get back into the routine of training it's like the the stuff that's habitual like you make the same mistakes you make not necessarily the same mistakes but it's like the same patterns of movement Mm -hmm. you go to the same places you so i don't know it's a it's a really weird dynamic yeah, I agree because I watch a lot of videos and I like to pick apart other people's riding and kind of try it and obviously how I ride. And I think when you're in the season, like I said, you just get narrow-minded. I feel like you are in the mm. same rut. You're doing the same thing every week. And for me, when I have time, I learn more. So it is easier to put that stuff into into something when you've had that much time to think about it. And like you said, I'm always, you're always thinking about jujitsu. I'm always thinking about riding my dirt bike. Cause it's obviously what I do. And mm. I agree. I think you have that time to kind of take some, take a break and kind of regroup and put it into, put it into action once you get back riding. And then once you keep riding, you kind of forget about it. And then you start worrying about laps, motos, what you could be doing better. Then you mm. start getting anxiety about the season coming up and, all that stuff so it's it's yeah it's it's crazy but i do agree like when i come back i feel like either i don't know it's with riding like your mind your mind gets so used to going that fast that you feel like you're going slow at some point like after a while like you get so used to it you feel like you're going slow so i don't know if it has something to do with my mind that i feel like i'm going faster but i don't know i just feel more almost even more natural when i get back on the bike yeah yeah dude so uh the other day speaking of going fast the other day i got to do a lap on the back of a super bike with jack miller and he's That's like sick. one of my best mates and he he said he's like i'm fully prepared to crash with you on the back of this bike <laughs> like that was the disclaimer at the start of it and we did two laps of like the biggest track in australia we did we were doing like 280 kilometers an hour down the main straight so i'm not sure what that is in miles yeah i couldn't Um, tell you either can you do that conversion for me can you do like convert 280 kilometers to miles for us just do it on your phone so you don't fuck with the computer um and there there was like one corner that we went through like one sweeper where it was 240 k's an hour so it was just like the speed was ridiculous right and so i'd always kind of had this thought in my mind and i've said it on the podcast before that like fast is fast like my fast feels that it's the same feeling as like your fast it's just at a different speed if that makes sense so like i'm having that like oh shit i need to hit the brakes and it's the same like it's almost like anxiety in a sense like you get this rush of like i need to hit the brakes or i'm not going to make this turn and uh and then you'd have that same feeling it's just like way down the track and then i got on the back of this bike with jack and it was like it was like I was exposed to a new level of reality that just was not, it's not uh, something that I have the ability to ever experience on my own, if that makes sense. And then I was just like, 
I wonder how fucking different being like Chase Sexton or uh, Ken Roxon or Plessinger or any of you top level dudes. It's like, I wonder the, cause I've rode a street bike, like I've rode a street bike on a track and it's a cool feeling, but that was just ridiculous, man. And I'm just now my head's like, I just don't think I live in the same reality. Yeah. I mean, first off, I would never, ever get on the back of a bike with somebody else, especially somebody that's, they're so comfortable going that He crashes all the time. Yeah. Well, (laughs) no, not even that. Not even that. It's just having somebody that knows how to go that pace and they're comfortable with it. And then you getting on the back. And for me, like, I'm not comfortable going that fast. I never go that fast on a dirt bike. So that's a whole new speed. And when I'm not in control, it's, it's not good because I'm not, I'm not comfortable at all. So there is not a shot out of it got on that back of that bike. But I mean, I guess with him, he's obviously races that all the time and he is comfortable going that pace. So it's better than like, say me trying to go out there and go that pace with you on the back. But when I'm not in control, there's no way, but I, I'm always interested with those guys, like, cause they do ride dirt bikes. I wonder if they feel like they're going slow on a dirt bike compared to what they do on the MotoGP. Because mm. I went to one of the races and watching how fast those bikes are and just how patient they have to be, especially in a slow corner to get on the gas. Is those things, they get the power of the rear wheel faster than I've seen. I mean, F1 is obviously very impressive when you watch yeah. it in person. But watching MotoGP, it's more per- like it relates to us a little bit more. And then seeing how fast those bikes are it's it's unreal so i i can't imagine how fast like i always wanted to i always want to go to a track day and just try it because i know i'd be bad at it but i want to try it and see how it is so hopefully i get that opportunity here soon dude i actually think you'd be better at it than you think so i did uh like a ambassador deal with ducati this year um so i've like i've never really rode road bikes before so i my experience of riding on the road was uh we'd go to vietnam and we'd get on like these 150 and bikes like they're literally just like these little chinese rip-off harley deals and then i'd ride across the country with my parents we, it was like a family holiday that we do every year so that was it and i crashed one of those fucking things and tore my shoulder up so that was like my experience and then, and then ducati comes to me and they're like we want to do this thing sign me up but I got to do this track day. So like I, they gave me a bike and I could ride it on the road and I, I, you know, just went out and hit some cool turns and stuff like that. But I didn't really know how to ride. I didn't know really what I was doing. It was just moto sort of style riding on the bike. And then I did a track day with Troy Bayless and Ollie Bayless and Troy's like three time world champ. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they taught me different body positions, different things to do, man. I felt so good. Like it was not this crazy scare. I didn't feel out of control. It felt easier to me than motocross in, in a way. Um, but it was just like these tiny, like little nuances and you could just, the tracks the same every time the bike feels pretty much the same every time. And it was, it's honestly like a golf swing, you know, like you, every corner is like a golf swing where it's like you get, you've got a setup and then you kind of execute and you follow through and it's like one two degree club face angle changes is that you know a similar sort of translation um but man honestly like if you ever get the chance to do it you should 100% do it I think you'd find that you would be better at it than you think and you'd enjoy it 
so much more than you think, man. It was honestly incredible. Well, one thing about being with Alpine Stars is I should be able to uh, make that happen because they're uh, obviously they're, they're into road, they're into MotoGP and stuff like that. So I definitely want to do it. I think, like you said, I think I should be able to pick it up. But watching that and watching it in person, I would probably would have rather just went and did the the track day before I went and watched those guys in person because now it's it makes everything like I could go out. It sets a I guess a, a standard of watching yeah. these guys go around the track and then I go out there and. It doesn't look anything like that. So I don't know. I still want to do it. And I, I don't know how did, did anyone hear how jet did on that little thing when he did it with Mark Marquez? I, I don't actually know. didn't ask. I, should, I didn't, I want to, I'll text Jeremy right now and ask him because it'd be, I'd be pretty like interested. Cause, um, so Jack, he fully rips on a dirt bike. That's what I heard. I heard like, it was pretty he, good. Bro, like rip, rip, rips. And he was almost going to try and race motocross the nations for New Zealand because he's half Australian, half New Zealand. Like he's that, he's that fast. He, he goes to like Lommel and shit on like test days with Hurlington. All the boys are there. Like he's a, he's a little animal. That's pretty cool. That would have been actually cool to watch him race motocross and nations. I, I actually got to talk to him for the first time at, um, in Austin and he, he was super cool. He, he liked talking about moto. And then obviously I talked to, uh, the VCO. So he's a big moto guy and it's just cool to have that, um, a little bit of being relatable to them and seeing what they do and how they go about it. And then looking at their bikes and stuff. And those things are gnarly. Like they're, they're just spaceships. Eh? Yeah. I mean, F1 is obviously cool. Like that's like, it's most, as much technology you can get into, motorsports i feel like and then you go to moto gp and it's obviously a bike so it's uh, it's relatable to us but then <laughs> the amount of data and stuff they have on there is compared to us is even more so it's just cool to see those other sports and kind of get a inside look at what they go through and um obviously i did that thing with fabio and he was in the championship hunt so it was just cool to see how he dealt with that stuff and um yeah, overall is a good experience for me, and I respect what those guys do because that stuff is gnarly. Dude, yeah, it, it's pretty insane. And like, uh, like Griff, did you find out how fast that is? Yeah, it's um, one fifty two at two forty. So one hundred and fifty mile an hour. It's pretty fast. Two hundred forty sounds is. cooler though. Two hundred forty yeah, kilometers sounds cooler. Hey, do you mind? Well, that was through a turn. Do I? Hey, I gotta pee. Like, can I get up and go to the bathroom real quick? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I yeah. drank way too much water before I came here, so hydration is key, mate. I'll be right back. Water, that was not a good. That was not a good, not a good choice on my part. But yeah. all right, I'm back. This is about as this is about as low stress a deal as possible, so you can piss as much as you want, bro. Yeah, I, I don't know. For some reason, I think there's something wrong with my bladder because, dude, I have to wake up like. I don't know, 12, 10, not 12 times a night, but like four or five times. And it just, it ruins my sleep. So I don't know. I guess I'm drinking so much water. Apparently. Are you, are you, do you have like electrolytes as well? Or do you just drink a lot of water? Uh, I drink electrolytes when I need to. Like I don't, if I'm not riding or anything, I'm not drinking electrolytes, but it, um, I drink a lot of, I don't know if you ever heard of liquid IV. It's pretty, nah, it's, it's good stuff. Good. I, I, it's like, Everyone drinks like Rhino Power, Scratch, everything like that. I just, I stick to bare minimum. Like I drink liquid IV, which is, it's what it sounds like. And then, um, 
a little bit of protein stuff. But I, I try and stick stay away from that stuff as much as possible, especially with the water and whatever that. Like you can get caught. Oh. You could. I mean, you could get blindsided. I'm like, I'm not. I'm not gonna do that. Not really into it. It's fucking sketchy, man. Like the the whole supplement deal. Like you got to be so so careful. It's kind of crazy like more not more people don't get popped in the sport but like the whole drug thing in moto is just it's not really in play as in the same way that it is in like so many other professional sports yeah i mean i got really nervous like after like the tickle thing and all that stuff because i mean it is a reality and then if i get busted i mean your your career is basically over so and there's just so many there's so many little things like you could there's they can mess it up in the factory and you get caught with yeah. a trace of something in your in your blood and it's it's over so i just try and stick with something that's i wouldn't say mass produced but something that is very um like typical like, like what i'd be yeah and yeah. people these people are very this is what they do and they make it for everybody and stuff like those smaller companies and stuff like that i don't know if i not that i don't trust them but they don't have a big uh what is it a big process of how they make it they can make it somewhere smaller and stuff can get messed up easier so um yeah i just try and stick to the basics i'm not not trying to reinvent the wheel with putting stuff in my body i think i'm old-fashioned so when i if you're in really good shape and you get you can just feel your body right with food yeah you don't need that stuff so that's kind of my mindset on that yeah and it's the move because those companies like you said so they all get manufactured in china and then it's not like it's a chinese factory that just works for them it's like that chinese factory like if you're some sketchy dude trying to make like pre-workout with crack in it (laughs) then it's just like that's coming to the same factory that makes like whatever else exactly yeah it's just every time i get tested i'm like dude like what if like what if something that i take because i mean i do take i take thing called you can which is like a protein thing and then i take liquid IV. I'm like if, if something's in there and i get busted like that'd be the worst way that'd be the worst way to end your career i think because you're in you're totally not in control oh yeah and then you don't control the narrative either and it's kind of gnarly like i actually would love to talk to tickle about that whole deal because like tickle's a really good dude and when that yeah. all come out i was just like i was like man i don't know about all this and then you know instantly people drop you like you know the sponsors drop you and then you're not allowed to if you put out a statement then like water can put stuff out like it's there's a I don't, the whole system's kind of set up to where like if you get popped it's you just you're fucked and the same thing with james dude like that was probably the most disappointing like it, after james got popped for for adderall it's just like everyone should have been like no fuck this we're not playing this game we need to change this this doesn't work if this happens yeah it's just such a i don't know i feel like there's just a gray area there like it's it's black and white but it's also not like i feel like you get i don't know i just feel like there's a gray area like what you can take and what you i don't really understand it that's why i don't do it like i don't i don't push the boundaries because there's so many like you listen i i mean i've sat in a whole bunch of these meetings with USADA. Well, I think it's USADA now because FIM is not a part of Supercross. So 
Yeah. I've sat in yeah. these meetings. I don't under. I mean, I don't get it. Like, I don't. I mean, they say like, oh, if it says NDA approved on the side, it's fine. But you just if <laughs> if they mess it up, you still get. Mm. You still don't get a free pass. So I'm like, well, I'm putting my my career in these other people's hands, and yeah, I, tickles awesome. Like I I I can't imagine him doing something when he like no. something he knows about that's illegal. I cannot see that happening. So, and it's just weird cause you can't talk about it. And then the whole thing, like with Christian yeah. and the same way, like I actually, I mean, I actually forgot about the James thing cause the tickle thing kind of took that over. And then Christian, I actually f- forgot about the tickle one is the one that sticks in my brain. Like, cause that, I feel like played a big toll. I mean, he's on, he's on factory KTM things are going right. And then that happens. So, um, yeah, I just don't mess with that. I'm not, <laughs> I think just feeling yeah. your body of food and being fit is the best way to go. The, uh, the, this is like a, this is a weird way. My weird brain. This is like how I think about it is. Are we good? Oh, I'm trying to get Shane to get my, I have Starbucks over there. I'm pinging right now. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's Sorry. So good. My, uh, this is the way my weird brain works about it. Right. Is, uh, let's say, let's say you're in the 250 class right and then you go and you put uh like a big ball kit in your bike and then you race like four races with this big ball kit and then you get popped what happens like what's the suspension is it four years it's not no it's not gonna that's not gonna ruin your career so like think about a supercross race in the lights class with a big ball kit versus like taking some whatever supplement it's like dude if i really want to cheat and like really want to have like some kind of crazy gains i'm probably running a 270 kit getting every hole shot being out of jump every single jump having like bulk drive through the whoops and then if you get caught they're probably just gonna take your points off you so it's like but then you put something in your body to help recovery strength like all that shit and it's like your career done so i'm like all right in terms of crime and punishment i feel like the bike thing is probably going to guarantee you better results and you're also not going to get popped and get done for four years so in my head i just i think there's more of like a it makes sense from like a moral perspective or like there's like some weird moral issues that are tied to it but in terms of like the actual performance enhancing benefits like there's other shit you can do to cheat and you're not going to get penalized for it that to me seems crazy yeah i i agree if i was if you're gonna cheat i think i always say i always tell people like you could take whatever you want for your body if you're a 10th place guy you're not gonna win a you're not gonna win it's yeah it's those guys if you're searching for that a little bit if you're getting second every weekend because you're fading in the last five minutes okay maybe it's gonna help but we're not professional cyclists. We don't, a lot of our sport is based, I would say 75% is based on talent or not talent, but ability to ride the bike. And I, I don't know. I think fitness is obviously a big part of it, but it can also people overlook it and I, or not overlook it, but they overanalyze fitness. And I think if you have a good bike setup and you can ride the dirt bike for 20 minutes comfortably, you don't have to be the fittest guy out there. You just have to be able to ride the dirt bike and, I don't think, I mean, taking those things and whatever you want to take, I think it helps, but at the end of the day, it's not going to move you from fifth to first. It's going to be, 
everybody in their given night is going to be good, but it's just helps recovery and stuff like that. I just don't think it's that big of a, I mean, it is a big deal obviously to take it. And again, it's a moral thing. Like if I go out there and I know I'm on something, I'm not going to feel right about it. And I'm probably not going to ride as good because I'm thinking about that. So I don't know. I, I think you're better off doing something to your bike. That's going to make a big difference over yeah. and you're not going to get caught or you're not going to get penalized nearly as big. But like I said, I think, um, if you can ride your dirt bike, uh, I would say eco-friendly, you're much better off than taking something like that. Yeah. And that dude, what you said about if you're like a 10th place guy, so that's kind of, this is not putting tickle on blast. I love rock tickle. Dude is a massive G him taking a performance enhancing drug is not going to make him win. He's too far behind. Like, and that's just the reality of it. And it's like, there'd be so many guys that would be in that category. It's just like, hey, this isn't going to give you the two seconds a lap that you need. This isn't going to give you... Like, Cooper Webb, for example, you're a way better rider than Cooper Webb, in my opinion, in terms of, like, technically on the bike. He beat you in the championship, and you're a way better rider than him. So it's like, there's so much more going on than just, like, even your ability to ride the bike, like, the fitness level. Like, there's... This has like just multitudes of layers of complexity. So for me, and and this is where it sort of sucks with the tickle thing is like they don't give a fuck. They, it was like four years, your career is done, your name in the sports stuff, and it's just like, dude, it wouldn't make sense for him to take this shit. He's not gonna win it as a result of it anyway. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, again, love tickle. people. <laughs> yeah, I I love Brock, but like like you said about Cooper, I mean. You, we would all say that Cooper's probably not the fastest guy. Um, I mean, I don't even know where you yeah. rank him fastest wise. I mean, raw speed wise, he's not the fastest. But seventh, it's eighth. The 450 game or the 450 class is a, it's a, it's a strategic race. It's not, and I found that out last year. I mean, it's it's frustrating because I watch all those races over. I'm like, man, I literally, I mean, I had it. And then Cooper hunts you down yeah. and and just steals the life right out of you. And it's, I respect him because he races you fair, but he races you hard. And it's, there's a fine line between that. And he, uh, man, I mean, he won that, he won last year because he's smart and he's mentally tough. And that's, that's how he won that championship. And it's, it's cool to see because he, like I said, he's not the fastest. I mean, I don't even, I wouldn't say he's the fittest, but he, he gets it done and I respect that because there's something in him that gets him and has the ability to win. So and I've I've studied him a lot over this past off season and that's something that I'm trying to learn and I think that's something that I can get better on. So I think like I said, speed's not an issue and um he's obviously got something figured out that we don't. So that's kind of uh what I've been studying. But back to I mean back to the drug use and whatever that that stuff is like i said it's not going to make the biggest difference like if you're winning you're going to win no matter what you're not going to get beat by somebody that's getting fifth every weekend and get somehow comes out and smokes you by 20 seconds it's not going to happen in our sport yeah i mean I, i completely agree it's interesting to hear you talk about cooper like that like it's honestly pretty cool man because at this point it's pretty hard not to have like some form of reverence towards that guy because it's obvious like it's obvious that he's not 
the fast dude. It's obvious that he's not the guy that's got his bike the most dialed in all the time, but there's just some level of savagery that that guy has in his head that, and I mean, you would have heard the saying from golf. It's like golf is a game that's played in a four inch strip between your ears. And it's like, that's sort of, you know, what, what he's got. So it's like, for you, if you're like being fully honest and like grading yourself in that way and saying like what you've got to go, like what do you look at in your head as like how how do you attain that level of savagery that that dude has? Yeah, I mean, I can sit here all day and say I don't like him, but it's not going to help me. I think admitting to yeah, you don't have when to you're, like wait, him. it's 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 admitting to when you're or where you're can be better and for me that's one place i feel like I can, everyone in the class because obviously he did it way better than everybody else so i respect that from him and he's a hard racer and um we've had our we've had a few run-ins this last year which <laughs> were not intentional whatsoever and he was not i don't think he was very happy with me but um i think for me being younger and watching him and how he's done it i can learn a lot and i think if i can take that and uh put it into my racing this year it'll be a different narrative um after this year so um i'm hoping to change that but yeah i I respect what he does and i respect all the guys i race i don't i don't think there's any so far i haven't had really any bad blood with guys so for me to come on and just say i don't respect anybody is probably not the best thing to do which obviously is not true but um yeah i I like everyone in the 450 class race is good and i have respect for him because our class is gnarly like moving up from the 250 class to go to the 450 class is it's a different animal i i got a fake sense of reality when i was racing 250s and going into that class last year kind of thinking i could go out there and <laughs> potentially win races consistently it's it's possible for sure and i showed that i had the speed for it but it wasn't it wasn't going to happen i don't think for me last year just mentally so um yeah i respect them that i think i gained a lot of respect last year so um, obviously I'm not scared of them. And I think, uh, I feel a lot more comfortable going into this year racing those guys because I feel like I'm one of them. And I think I have an advantage on a lot of them just with speed and the way I ride the bike. So, um, but yeah, I, uh, I respect I'd completely, them, so. I'd completely agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd agree that, uh, in terms of like riding the bike, the bike itself the the speed the ability for you to like go that speed comfortably like there's some there's some crazy crazy ingredients in your or like tools in your toolbox you know um and it's funny that you said that that you know like you got like a reality check because let's look at your career horizon award winner back-to-back lights titles then you get the hrc right it's just like if if you're if you're sitting watching like the chase sexton movie and you're drinking the kool-aid it's just like oh yeah he's just gonna keep fucking doing what he's always done like look at the way this kid's career is gone but it's like instagram burst reality you know definitely um i wouldn't say i've had it easy but i've i would say things have came to me faster than i thought they were going to just growing up i mean throughout my amateur career i i got beat pretty much every race by the same guy which was austin Forkner and uh so it wasn't it wasn't easy for me but I feel like through all of that I became more mentally strong and I became just tougher in general and it helped me a lot throughout the first because when I came to my, my first pro race I broke my femur in practice which was 
I don't even count that as my first pro race because I made, didn't even make it through practice, but, um, it was tough after that. I mean, I got lapped my first outdoor moto by Zach Osborne, which I don't like to admit, but that I did, I got lapped. So, uh, I definitely made a lot of progress from there till now, but, um, my two video career was great. I feel like it was, it went by really fast and coming into the 450 class, I think a lot of people didn't really expect me to be anything that good. So I had, I had to prove myself and I feel like last year I did, I proved a lot of self, a lot of stuff to myself that I can definitely run with these guys and I'm not, I'm not any worse of them speed wise, which I, I feel like I definitely proved. So, um, yeah, last year was not easy. It wasn't easy on my, my mental side either. I was, I was in some dark spots last year after Dallas, the second crash, my face hurt so bad that, I mean, dude, if my, if my window would have been open in my hotel, I might've just jumped out. I was so <laughs> over it. Not actually, but I was so over it. Cause I was like, dude, yeah. I don't make these mistakes usually. Like I was so, my mind was not in a good spot. I was second guessing everything. I was not confident, not anything. And then finally got a little bit of momentum towards the end of the year. But I mean, last year was a big character building year for me because it, it was tough. It was tough on me. My dad, obviously we go through a lot together and, um, we had some, we had some heart to hearts on the way home from those races. And, uh, yeah, it wasn't easy, but I, I, I've told a lot of people even today, like in interviews, like I wouldn't change it because I feel like I've learned the most last year out of any year. So yeah, it, mm. it was, it was difficult. Yeah. And the thing too, man, is just like to go, if, to go back to jujitsu. I, I said one day to one of my coaches, it was like summer, like a couple years ago. And I just got completely bashed by air, like all day, just got bashed this whole time that I was in the gym. It was hot as balls. And I was just like laying on the mat and then uh, like full, just like starfish laying on the mat and then one of my coaches walked past and like laughed at me and uh and i was like fuck that was hard and he like he leaned down and was like did you come here for this to be easy and i was like nah i guess i didn't and and it's like i had this expectation that shit should have gone eat like easier and different and then it's like but when someone asks you like well did you come here for something easy and you say no and then it just it was like a little shift in my brain of like, actually, this makes sense that it's this hard. Yeah. I mean, the saying is nothing, nothing that's easy is worth having. So last mm. year, I mean, if you, if you look at it that way, um, yeah, I mean, last year's was hard, but I'm definitely feeling like it's made me someone a lot better. And it was weird. Like just last year I had so many outside influences telling me what to do kind of putting their two cents in and at the end of the day it just confused me and I had a lot of dark days last year so um I'm definitely glad it happened because like I said I feel like I'm a lot better and like yeah nothing worth having is easy so I think uh if I can go out there and crush it this year I'll be uh (laughs) I'll be a lot happier but um yeah it was it was a struggle and like I said it was 250 career was not easy but it was it went by fast. So we're in the man's class now and it's, um, definitely got a taste of that last year. Yeah. Well, I mean, just dude, think about Cooper's first year on a 450 and then like, forget what he's done now and tell me, do you think he'd be a two-time champ three years later? 
the answer no way no way of everybody is like that dude fucking sucks i mean watching him on a 250 and then going to the 450 class was like wow like am i gonna ever like be able to make it to that class because (laughs) it made him look horrible but there's just there's a lot of things that go on off the track too that a lot of people just don't see and like if you're if you're struggling with your team whether or not be a good team chemistry you don't like the bike I mean that stuff plays a huge part into you on Saturday no matter if you could be the best rider the best fitness everything but if you're not mentally feeling it with your team the bike anything some there's a small little thing can go off and you're not you're going to be 10th place instead of first so it's uh yeah I mean it like you said, a team can change everything. I mean, look at him now. You would if you look at Cooper Webb now, to when he was on a Yamaha, it's not the same guy. Yeah, you're just like, how could this dude possibly ever win a race? Yeah, I, I mean, I've been talking like I might as well get his autograph. I, I mean, it sounds like I just love the guy, but no, I mean, it's, it, he's it's impressive to see what he's done. I, yeah, I mean, I might as, after this podcast, I might just have to DM him and ask if I can hang a jersey up in my, in my room. But I got to go race this guy in a month. So, um, no, nah, I, hey, like I just said, there's no, him then. Hey, I mean, you can't, you kill him with kindness until you can go out there and beat him. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the goal. But like I said, it's the class is stacked. I mean, you can go down the list and there is, there's 12 guys that can realistically win a race, probably, probably more than that, actually. Yeah. So to wrap your mind around that and go into the season thinking you're just going to have, it's going to be a cakewalk and win everything is hard. Um, but that's why we prep all season to do that. So, uh, I think we're going to have a really competitive season just like last year, maybe even better. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. And like, I'm yeah, obviously we're talking about Coop, like he's being the guy, but fuck dude, I'd, I'd rather not rather but it's like you look at like i said the ingredients that you've got as a rider like for me watching you ride a 450 last year was just insane to me like i mean i we we dm'd a bunch of different times like you know i was posting pictures of the the technique that you'd have like hole shotting like that whole shot at Washougal, i posted that photo <laughs> just being like what the fuck is this like this is ridiculous it's like take away all of the 40 right 39 guys that were behind you and it's like that's a riding clinic like that's a picture that you would go okay these are the lines that you draw this is the head position that you have this is perfection so it's like everything is literally like right there for you to go out and just win a bunch of races and it's like i don't know man fit yeah we're talking about a dude like he's won the championship but fuck the tools are in the toolbox man and it's just a a matter of of you going out there and like putting those pieces together and there's just like you can't put a price on the experience that you went through you know like to to it sounds like last year was gnarly and especially the outside influences that's a crazy thing that like not a lot of people really i guess talk that much about is like the amount of inputs like the people that are coming at you with like ideas and suggestions and this is why you're not winning you need to do this maybe it's this it's that it's that and it's just all these people that you know you'd be questioning like dude I don't, i've only known you like three months like what the fuck <laughs> you know what i mean so it's like i don't know the tools are in the toolbox and the experience of like going through what you went through 
this past year it's like that that could be the you could have needed to go through all that to be able to deliver this year definitely and i want to touch on the washugal thing that was my first ever hole shot in the outdoors on a 250 or 450 and i I will say that's the probably one of the best one of the probably the best feelings i mean that's maybe not as good as a win but that was probably the best feeling i've had in in a single moto ever because i didn't pull a whole lot of hole shots like i hung my first one and i pulled i think two after that in outdoors so i obviously figure something out with my starts but that feeling right there will stick in my in my head for the rest of my life because it was the best feeling and then the crowd was crazy but beyond that i mean i definitely feel like i have what it takes i i always say i always feel like i have what it takes to win a lot a lot and it is encouraging for me because speed's hard to learn and if you don't have it it just makes your life a whole lot more difficult so i feel like i have that part figured out um, like I said, I've been watching a lot of video and how I can strategize the race better. Cause you can't, you can't write down on a piece of paper what you're going to do on Saturday night because the race is obviously different every weekend. Mm. So for me, I'm just trying to kind of be able to adapt to situations better. And I think, like I said, the past champ is really good at that and being able to pick apart the track late in the main event when it's coming down the wire, 10 minutes in 10 min- the first 10 minutes of the 450 main does not matter unless you're in last place the last 10 minutes is where yeah. you get paid to race a dirt bike. So I think that's where I put a lot of my focus in this year. And if I can put those pieces together, cause like you said, I have, I feel like I have every tool, but putting them all together and making something of it is a different story. So, and I think experiences a lot last year, I didn't feel like I had the maturity that I needed. Um, and I might not be as mature as I need to be, but I'm getting a whole lot better every time, every every week or every month I'm on my dirt bike, I feel like I'm getting better and I'm racing guys that are 28 years old when I'm 22, which is not an excuse, but I'm trying to build that bridge, that gap. And hopefully I can bridge that gap with speed. Yeah. Um, because there's definitely, you can't replace experience. So for me, I think I do have that speed that I can run that I don't feel like a lot of guys can. And I think that's going to be my, my bridge to hopefully, um, be a contender or at least win races it's funny like you know you talk about the age thing man like I'm 33 and the I feel like the ex- just my mental growth from 29 to or like 28 29 to 33 has been like almost my entire entire life again you know like it feels like everything I learned in the first 29 years has been doubled in this four-year period between 29 and 33 so it's like you just you it you it never stops like there's just this I feel like in myself anyway that like one of my biggest and most important projects in my life is just working on myself podcast aside my sport aside my relationships aside, like every external thing that's like doesn't go on inside my head is almost second of secondary importance to like my own mental state and the way that I can manage my emotions and deal with adversity and like the perspective of looking at a situation like am I gonna let this piss me off am I gonna let that piss me off like one big thing that I'm really trying to work on now is like always being the calmest person in the room like I never want to be the most emotional the most excited the sad like 
I always want to be like very, very calm in every situation. That's really, really hard to do. So it's like, I, I don't know. I think that for me anyway, the, the biggest way that I've like found like growth and maturity in a sense is by just making like the core focus, like how do I be the best dude? And then honestly, when I really, really changed that to be my focus of like, how do I just be like apex version of me? Like what's peak human me look like? Then the podcast starts going better. You start making more money. My, you know, all my relationships get better. My Like everything seems to get better from focusing more on like the internal than like the external stuff, if that makes sense. Because it seems like once the internal shit's dialed, everything else kind of happens around it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think going back to last year, I didn't feel like I was the best version of myself off the bike. And you can't be the best version of yourself off the bike if or on the bike if you're not doing that. Whatever you're doing in your life, whether it be hanging out with your family, girlfriend, whatever it is, I didn't feel like I was the best version of myself. So I think for me um, this year, I just find, I just or late this year, I found more balance. And going into like that, kind of trying to control your emotions like always being at like a not super happy or not gonna, not letting the highs get too yeah. high and the lows get too low like i always go back to like if you watch tom brady in the super bowl and before mm. the biggest play of the season that guy is you look in his eyes and that guy is so locked in and so yeah. calm like he's at in a if you're looking at like a intensity level he's probably at like a six or a five or a six or a seven if you're at 10 you're too high you're too amped up you're gonna make a mistake you're gonna yeah you're gonna just make you're bound to make a mistake but if you're not amped up so you got to be somewhere in the middle and you look at those guys i i always watch videos of michael jordan before a big play i mean that guy is you could throw something at him he would you wouldn't even move he wouldn't flinch the guy is so locked in you can just look at it in their in, in their eyes and for me that's something that I think I can take from other sports too and just trying to not let the highs get too high, the lows get too low and be in the moment in those in those big times like before a race and kind of just be locked in and not not be over the top but also be right in the sweet spot. So, um, yeah, I mean, that has to do with obviously racing. But like I said, in life, I've always been brought up to be perfect at everything and i've noticed the last year when things aren't going the right way i tend to kind of lose my my cool and let stuff bother me that really shouldn't like the, the little things so that's something i've been working on and um in a 17 round series there's something bound to go wrong so um you yeah. kind of have to be able to control that and be able to move through it which i feel like i have been good at in the past and last year i it kind of got the best of me so um like you said there's always something you can work on with yourself it's it's your biggest it's your biggest investment and that's kind of what i've kind of i've started to look at it that way and it's been helping a little a lot so yeah yeah it's cool man and it's cool like like i said that that perspective came to me like really late and it's like i almost had to fuck up so much stuff in my life to get that perspective of like all right everything just starts with you bro like if like you're just not dialed so how can you expect everything around you to be dialed if you're like internally there's just like a fucking storm going on it's like you expect sunny weather when there's a storm inside it's like nah man that's just not how this shit works no i mean it's 
it's a lot of stuff that people like is I'm I'm paid to get race to race a dirt bike and people obviously people only see me on Saturday night so if I don't do good on Saturday night it's it's obviously important but I think um the prep during the week not just on the bike but just everything your daily life is a big thing on how you perform on Saturday so it's it's crazy to think that something you could do on Sunday can affect your race on Saturday. So for me, that's kind of how I look at it and just try and, like I said, be the best version of me. And I think that like it bleeds over to everything, no matter if it's the dirt bike, just anything you do, it always bleeds over. So that's kind of uh, how I look at it now. And I kind of learned a lot, like I said, last year and year, and even before that in 2020, it's just something I've kind of picked up now and hopefully that uh, pays off in the long run. Yeah, no, I de- definitely think that it will. And I think the the other thing too, like at, at your age and in the position that you're in, like you're one of like the premier dudes of the 450 class. You're probably one of the most marketable guys. You got these amazing brands that you're partnered with and there's opportunities coming at you left and right and you want to take advantage of all this shit. And it's like, I mean, at least for me, the thing that I'm learning is like, you really need to have the confidence to say no to people, even though it's kind of, it's hard to say no to like cool shit, whether it's, you know, even if it's fucking chicks or if it's like yeah. sponsor stuff, do you want to go here? Do you want to do that? Do you want to have this guy coming? But like the, the saying no is probably like the most powerful thing that you can do. But when you're, especially when you're young, when you're inexperienced, when you're excited about the position you're in, when you're excited about the opportunities that you got, saying no to stuff actually becomes like insanely hard to do. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of distractions and our sport. I mean, it's not like we're, I'm sure it gets even worse. It gets worse. And say, if you're LeBron James, um, basketball player, obviously like our sport is small, small compared to that. But I, I mean, even the distractions that are thrown at me, like it's, it's crazy. And, I've always been ever since I was eight years old, it's just been installed in me to be focused and not let those, that stuff get to you. Obviously you have to have fun. And I do have a lot of fun on, on golfing, riding one tens, whatever it may be. But I try and when I want to have fun, I try and focus on something that's um, not going to hinder me. And I think, like I said, distractions are yeah. a big thing in our sport. So if I can have my fun time on doing something that's not I wouldn't say productive in my sport, but it's not something that's going to hinder me is kind of, uh, what I try and do now. Um, I haven't really been a huge party or anything like that. Like I do like to have fun, but I, I keep it to a minimum and it's obviously during the, the month that I'm off of the dirt bike. So, and our sport is extremely focused related, like one little slip up on the dirt bike and your life could be changed. So mm. you have to be, very like conscious of that and make sure that you're off, off the bike stuff, not bleeding into your on the dirt bike stuff, because that's when stuff goes wrong. And, um, I think that's something I try and, um, think about and keep in the back of my mind as well. Yeah. It's pretty good to think about that too, because I feel like the, the risk isn't something that people think about constantly. Like you kind of get, like you said, you get so used to going fast, but I mean, dude, even I think about that, like 
last night i was really cognizant of getting good sleep i was like i have to do this podcast with chase in the morning like i wanted to just stay up and like watch it on youtube and you know just like enjoy my downtime but i'm like no you've got to go to sleep because you can't be a fucking idiot tomorrow you've got to be able to concentrate and stick in this shit so it's like you know there's and for you like there's no consequence if i make a mistake during this podcast you know but like you're going through a set of whoops 30 times a day on a 450 it's like there's some legitimate consequences definitely and that's one thing like (laughs) this like racing is constantly constantly eating at my mind like it it i guess it it decides like what i do during the day like what i'm eating for dinner what i'm doing at night like Mm. it's constantly always at you like i'm never like oh like i'm not worried about riding like not worried but i'm not thinking about not riding the next day i'm always focused on what's going to make the day better um tomorrow so for me it's always it's always on my mind sleeping eating everything and if i'm if it's not something that's gonna i guess make me better tomorrow then why do it kind of thing so that's kind of where my mind's at and i feel like (laughs) that's something I guess an older person would say, but I think it's something that I hate, but I love it at the same time because it's made me, I feel like more successful because I'm like that. And I feel like I'm very driven and mm. self-disciplined. And I, I guess it all comes down to being disciplined. Cause I could all, you can always stay up and not be uh, focused on what you're doing, but I feel like the discipline and that I have makes me who I am. And that's why I've been able to succeed so far. So I guess it all comes down to that and being um, accountable and that's kind of something I take pride in. Yeah, man, that's a very interesting point to talk about uh, discipline because in uh, in my life, I sort of thought like freedom is not having to be disciplined. Like freedom means... That if you want to live this free and enjoyable life, it means you get to do whatever you want, whenever you want. You can flit about. You don't have to have a structure. But then all that does is make like, and so I lived like that for most of my twenties. Like especially in America, I was just, I just did whatever the fuck I wanted, whenever I wanted, and uh, and I was like, this is free. But then you end up not being free. You're not financially free. Like you don't have, uh, like your, your health's not as good. Your sleep's not as good. Like, so you've kind of got, it's almost like a death by a thousand cuts, you know, like you've got so many options at your disposal all the time when, when you could do everything you're saying no to, uh, like a million different things with the thing that you want. And then you're like, oh, but I'd way rather be doing this and this. And it's like actual freedom comes from being disciplined, like not really having a choice. And when you're okay, like you are with saying no to all these things, you're okay with not partying and you're okay with not eating shit food and you're okay with going to bed. It makes life easy. Like discipline, it feels hard, but it actually makes your life easy. And it's almost like, you should do in life whatever feels like it has the most short-term negative effect because that probably has like some long-term positive it's like probably like long-term net positive if that makes sense yeah 100 percent um it's crazy because i've i've been this way since i was nine years old so for me i don't really know any way else but that is fucking crazy to me (laughs) there's i think it's just been from my family is very 
I would say just very strict and they all did sports and we're all obviously all of us, my mom, my sister, everybody's driven the same, which is so weird. Like everyone's wants to be successful. Everyone's got a good head on their shoulders. So I've just been brought up that way. My grandparents, everybody. So I have obviously a month of the year where I can pretty much do whatever I want. And it's crazy because at the end of that month of having that so-called freedom, I'm over it. Like I want to go back to being full rum spring discipline, <laughs> just discipline. Like, and I, I have fun all the time. Like I, I go golfing. I do whatever I, whatever I, I want basically. Cause I, I am, I am free. Cause I have, I can pretty much do when I can golf whenever I want. Obviously I have to ride and stuff like that. But like, I'm not worried about like paying for golf or anything like that. Like I'm always able to do whatever I want because I am disciplined in what I do as a racer. So I would just say that being that way makes everything so much easier. Like you said, like, I feel like I can, if I do that, I the next day just, it, it's so much easier. If I don't get a good night's sleep the night before, cause I stayed up late, it just tends to drag into the next day, which is yes, yes. what a lot of people do. And I have done plenty of times and that's what I do in the off season. But that puts me in a bad mood and then I'm just, it just all goes downhill from there. It's a domino effect. So for me, I'm, I'm grateful that I am disciplined like I am. And, um, I probably have to thank my, my family for that one. So what, what is your family's background to have that level of, of discipline? I don't really know. I mean, my mom was, she played all sports. Um, I mean, they obviously had lived the normal life. They didn't, they weren't professional athletes. They were, they played sports and my mom went to college. I think she played, she played softball a lot, volleyball, everything. My dad was a really good cross country runner. Um, if you looked at him now, you would never, you never know that, but he, uh, he was good at that. He was good at, um, softball, a lot of things. And we just are pretty all naturally, um, gifted. So, and I think something like, I think my dad, um, I think he just sees, and my mom too, they see that I have potential in me and they just don't, they taught from Mm. a young age, they taught me to be this way so that I can exceed what I'm supposed to, or I can fulfill what I'm supposed to do because I have this gift and to use it would be a shame or not use it to be, would be a shame. So for me, um, I think they saw that at a young age and they wanted me to be the best version of me. And my dad still gets gets on me. Not if I'm at, if I don't ride good, that's one thing, but he's always on me about being a good person and being respectful and just life stuff. So for that, um, I probably would say that's why I'm the way I am. And yeah, I just, they, I think they saw me at an early age be just a little bit different than obviously normal kids in school. Um, I played baseball growing up a little bit. I wrestled primarily for fitness off the bike because I lived in Illinois, so I can't ride half the year or three months out of the year. Yeah. So I did all that to basically get to where I am now. And um, my sister is in college, plays softball. My little sister is... 10 I think she's no she's nine years old and she's built like a complete athlete like she plays softball and she's gonna probably be d1 and she'll be she'll be gnarly when she's older which is it's cool to see but I see what I went through as a nine-year-old with my parents being strict exactly the same with her and it's just cool to see because at the end of the day it makes you a better person and um yeah, I wouldn't change that because I feel like now I have, I've been given tools that I can use throughout the rest of my life. And I feel like I am more mature than a normal 22 year old would, who would be in college and doing whatever, which I do. I, 
I make it sound like I'm boring, but I do have a lot of fun and, um, I like to do that stuff when I'm in my one month of off season. But at the end of that, like I said, I'm ready to get back and start training and, um, living my normal, um, super cost racing lifestyle. Yeah. I think like, it's funny. So like you, or it's like you're defending like, Oh no, 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 I have fun. I have fun. Like it's something that you've got to do, but I actually don't think that there's, you're missing out on anything in by not doing the shit that you, you know, think people would expect a 22 year old would do. Like, I mean, for me, man, like my life is fucking so boring. Like I, I put 80 bucks worth of gas in my truck and that shit lasts me a month unless I ride because the track's like an hour from me. I go from my house to my studio, to my gym, and then I walk everywhere else. It's like, I have a super boring life. And and from the outside, like, I mean, I turn down everything these days, basically. Like, do you want to come to this party? No. Do you want to go to this? No. Do you want to do... No. It's, it's always a no from me these days. And it's like, why? It doesn't feel like I'm lashing myself and I'm like, you can't have fun. I'm like, no, I'm having fun reading. I'm having fun making this video. I'm having fun doing my podcast. I'm having fun having really deep conversations with my close friends. So it's like the, I just think that there's like this cliche fun that people think they have to have fun. And I mean, I guess maybe there's some bias here or like maybe there's something going on because I did live all I've done all the crazy shit like in America and I've fucked all the girls I've done all the shit like I've done all of that stuff so I guess maybe if you hadn't and you hadn't got those experiences it wouldn't be as easy to say like maybe you would feel like you were missing out on something but I guess my point is is that you can find fun in the very disciplined like minute details like you would be able to you would be able to have more fun on a dirt bike than me simply because you're better at it. Like you understand it better. There's, there's details that you can work on and like minutia that you can dissect that is fun to do because you know so much about dirt bikes. And the only reason you've got that is because you've said no to all the other shit. Like you've got so deep down this rabbit hole that there's like this whole level of enjoyment there that other people wouldn't see like to other people it probably just looks like boring hard work yeah and i mean when i come off and i try and convince everybody that i have fun like because everyone i feel like a lot of people see me on race day and everyone thinks i'm serious and boring but or maybe not boring but i don't i guess come off as just some uh somebody that's well you're not selling donuts and shit yeah yeah, I'm not selling donuts like Jet or something like that. But no, I I am really fun. But I also, t- like I said, I take my my career very seriously. And um, for me, like I have in this in these off season, the last two years, I've done more of I wouldn't say partying, but I do like I would drink and stuff like that. And that's something I say partying. Yeah, partying. I I partied a little. I did party. Okay, I will say that. But I didn't as a 19 year old. I mean, I, I told myself I wouldn't drink till I'm 40 and I'm like, I think part of me maturing a little bit realized that it's not going to affect me in, in the season after not I do all. that. Yeah. Not at all. So I started doing that. I started getting out and doing a little bit more of that. But like I said, like I would never, I would never trade my life in for something like that. Like I always say, oh, it'd be fun to go to yeah. college for three weeks or two weeks, but 
that's it. Like I would, I would never, never trade anything I have in for that. So, and I, yeah, I mean, it, it's always fun. Everyone asks like, Oh, well, what was it like growing up and racing dirt bikes? Well, I didn't do the normal going to prom, all that stuff. I, and I really am glad I missed out on it because I don't, I don't, um, wish to have done that. So for me, people are always like, Oh, well you missed out on stuff you could have done. Well, later in life, I'll be able to hopefully enjoy myself a little bit more and kind of, um, for me now I have more freedom than a lot of those people have going to college, going to a nine to five job. I can pretty much do, I'm my own, basically my own boss. I can do whatever I want within reason. Um, so for that, I'm grateful. And I, people always think like, well, some people think like supercross is some glamor show. Like it's super easy. Like we ride dirt bikes for like, it's so fun all the time and it's not, it's hard sometimes, but there's also the people that think it's such a grind and like, Oh, it could be better. You could have something else, but I wouldn't trade it. There's all there's highs and there's lows. And for me, the grind is what I feel like as a person makes me better one and it helps me on race day too. So like I said, I wouldn't trade it. And I think, uh, I'm grateful for missing out on all that stuff because now I am able to have a little bit more freedom and hopefully later on down the road, I'll have be financially free and be able to, whenever I decide I want to retire, be able to do what I want. And I'm sure that'd be something active, but, um, yeah, I guess I look at it that way. I do have fun, but I find it, I find fun in going golfing, going surfing, doing something active, being with my friends. I love going back to Illinois at the end of the year because I get to step away from, especially as a 450 guy, you have, like I said before, there's so many outside influences and it gets draining throughout the whole year. So for me going back home and not having any responsibility is one of my favorite things. And, um, so I find fun and like going out in the cornfield with some of my buddies and go ride along when they're farming and just chilling and hanging out. So, um, I guess you can define fun in different ways for different people. Yeah. And I think it's funny. So I got a friend who does really well and, uh, and you know, you get people that say to him and like people say it to me as well, like, cause I, I work super hard and you know, like I was talking to a guy that we're sort of going to start doing some work with and I was explaining to him like the process and like the technical side of the podcast and how we make it look good and sound good and do the international stuff. And he was just like, holy shit. Like, this is gnarly. It's like, who did you have to figure this out? I'm like, yep, this is what five years looks like, man. Like, we just have it dialed because it's this constant process of just go, go, figure it out. Like, new problem, new solution, new problem, new solution, new problem. And that that's fun. Like, there's something really fun in solving problems. Like, it's not fun to lock yourself in the office. But if you, when you take all the distractions and shit out of the way, it's like it's rewarding to solve that problem. And, uh, and anyway, I got a mate, he does really well and, and he's works constantly as well. And then, you know, we go to dinner and we both sit on our phones and we're both working at dinner. We're having fun. Like I'm stoked that I'm with him and I'm where we'll pop our head up and eat our food and then we'll talk to each other and we'll talk about our work or whatever. But you know, he always gets this thing where people like, man, you just, you work too much. You, uh, you really need to have some more fun. And then his thing is like, you sound fucking broke. <laughs> yeah you want like a, you know what's it's like a you want to know what's funny is those people that say that are usually the ones that are um not not that they're not successful but they they don't have their stuff together and that's they can they try and make you feel bad about 
being driven and disciplined and successful people are always disciplined no matter unless you got given how unless you got given your money you earn that somehow yeah. some way and you didn't, it's not easy getting being rich is not easy i some of the richest people i know obviously the hardest working people i know so it's uh it's in anything it could be motocross podcast business stock market whatever you do if you are hardworking enough and you put your mind to it it will pay off and people i think there's a lot of people that hate on that and it's annoying because i get the same thing within the industry like well why do you work so hard why do you do this well uh i don't it's i always tell people like i want to win races i don't want to be second i don't want to be third like you want to be the best at what you do i don't want to i want to make it mark in what I do. I don't want to be some guy that comes to the 450 class, gets as consistent top five, top, whatever, top three. I want to win races and I want to make a mark on the sport. And I think that's the same way with you with podcast. Um, you stand out compared to a lot of them. Um, especially the ones that I see and just people in general, like a lot, I try and you try, I try, at least now I'm trying to surround myself with uncommon people and mm. that I think is a big thing for me, um, being around people that are common and just want to do the, the bare minimum to scrape by is not what I want to do. And, um, uncommon is hard to come by. So, yeah, man, I completely agree. And it's just funny. Like I could just sense in you that you wanted to like have those, like you get that shit. So you're like trying to almost like defend yourself. And I guess yeah. I'm just sitting here being yeah. like, dude, fuck that. Like it just is what it is. Like hard work gets results. And you know, if, if people want to tell you that you need more balance and you need to slow down and you need, it's like, okay, who the fuck is saying that to you? Like, you know, if someone leaves like a shitty comment on YouTube, it's like one of the things that, you know, it's funny somewhat like people say every now and again, like, oh, you should have done this in this podcast. I'm like, hey man, send me a link to your podcast with Travis Pastrana. And it like, that might sound like a, like a cocky thing to say. And like, you could instantly take that as arrogance, but it's like, hang on, let's break this down a tiny little bit deeper. Do you think in any fucking like sense of the word, like if that dude's a mechanic, for example, that left that comment, I can't work on a car why would he why would why would he listen to me because it's very very obvious that i have no skills to do that and as soon as that person realizes that i have no mechanical skills there's no way that person would like listen to to the advice i've got so it's like if you take it you know if you take that into context someone giving me advice on doing a podcast it's like bro you've never done this. You don't, mm -hmm. you don't do this for a living. Like you don't understand the reasons why this, this, and this happened. You don't understand. Like, uh, there was a good example of it. Some dude just sent me and he, he just like kept going at it. And he was like, I think you need to take the headphones off while you do the podcast. There's like a weird delay because of the headphones. And I was like, it's not because of the headphones. Like it's because they're in America, I'm in Australia and there's a thing called the fucking internet. And like this dude was like, nah, man, it's because of the headphones. And after that, I was just like, bro, you don't know, like you don't actually understand. So like people, you know, it's, it's probably 10 times out of 10. Someone that wants to tell you that you need to have more fun has absolutely no idea how much fun you're having by trying to improve, by working on your technique, by like going, you know, it, and 
I see shit with uh, sorry, I'm on a rant here, bro. Um, I see right, I you know, people with like the <laughs> like the the podcast stuff, and it's just like, yep, cool. I know how hard I work, and I'm not that worried about it. Like, it's fine if people you know people want to copy this, people want to do it. That. That's fine. Like, if they want to do the work that we do here power to you man like i respect your hustle because this shit is fucking hard so if you if you can take what i'm doing and you can sustain that for year after year after year after year then you deserve that success it's not just because you're copying me that you'll get that success yeah i agree and one thing like you said like it can come off arrogant like if you're trying like someone says and you snap back at them with some remark like that like i i do the same thing and i i become to i come to the point where I get annoyed with people because not because they're annoying. I get annoyed with them not putting in the same effort that I do into what I, what I, my passion is. And I, that's one thing, just trying to surround yourself with people that put the same effort in to what they do is what you do. And it's crazy because Mm. I don't like it. I don't like that. I judge people because they don't work hard. I don't like it that I can't be around people that just have no drive. It's just how I've become. And, um, I, I read this quote and it's, you want to be, or the quote is be uncommon amongst uncommon people. And that's kind of how yeah. I've started to look now because everyone's bar, I feel like is just, especially just nowadays, I feel like everyone's bar is set low and I feel like so you're so, low. people are, people are s- capable of doing so much more in anything, not racing, not anything. You just the human body in general is so much it's capable of so much more than what people put it through. And it's just, that's how I look at it now. I think I come off as a hard ass to people because I expect a lot. And I, with it, whether it be my team, people I train with people just around me in general, I expect hard work. And if you're going to be around me, I want you to be successful too. So I see where you're coming from because I deal with the exact same thing. You are going to struggle to find a chick. (laughs) unless you're unless you marry an olympian because like man that shit's fucking so like for me anyway that shit's so hard relationship wise is like when you like when you've got a crazy amount of drive for something and then people just don't understand it and they they've never they've never put themselves in that place and then they just don't get like the time that it takes and the importance and like like i said they people from the outside will look at what you're doing as though it's not fun and it's like dude jace leave the studio come party like come do this thing go do that and it's just like you say no and then they'll look at you like dude you need to you're not having any fun it's like you don't understand like if when you work so hard at something and then you get a result that you're chasing even if it's like a one percent improvement that feels good and and people you know really I find like chicks, especially they'll struggle to see the value, the same value that you do in like putting that extra effort in and like not going to a dinner, not going for a walk at a certain time, not doing this, not you say no to all these things. And it's like, I think that uh, they find it very hard to understand the value that you put onto those, just those tiny little things. And like the, uh, the fulfillment that you can find in that, that place. Yeah, no, it's hard for sure. And especially some, like, I don't know how you are. I'm always, I always, no matter if I, if it's racing, if it's anything I do, if I go, if I play golf and I shoot 79, like, oh, I could have done better. I'm always looking for something better. And it's, 
it's yeah. a never ending process. And that's something like, especially like if we get into the relationship side, I mean, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to settle, but it's also, I mean, I've, I've been pretty much seeing the same girl for the last two years and I like to find people that are motivated and like, obviously with how I am and how I've been talking, I, you have to be motivated to be around me and, um, people that understand it and girls, especially that understand it, it's, it's hard to come by. And I would just, I, I've struggled with it my whole life and it just people in general, I'm very picky and my circle seems to keep getting smaller and smaller, which is, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but, uh, I would just, I just say that, uh, if you're not, if you're not motivated, I just don't want to be around you. So I come out and people, I lose I get people, people are mad at me constantly because I come off as an asshole or if I'm not happy with my bike, I, I don't throw it, but I come off and I expect it to be, you guys work on this thing and like, and te- with it, whether it's testing, anything, just always give it a hundred percent. That's how always my dad told me a hundred percent. I don't care if you get 20th or first or whatever, it's always a hundred percent effort. And that's when I don't see it from somebody, that's when I get frustrated. But this year I feel like the people around me, I have a smaller group. I have my dad pretty much and my mechanic, my trainer, my agent. And then, um, I have the guys that film the monster stuff with me. Um, Shane yeah. and, um, Steven. So I pretty much have a really small group and I feel like it's, that's the way to go. So yeah, I could, I could go on about all day about not being driven and people like that. Just we don't mesh. So what do you so all right what do you think about leadership like where do you think about yourself uh in terms of leadership amongst all these people that you're talking about hold on can i take a pee break one more time 100 before we start into this before, before we start <laughs> I, into this. I, I thought yeah, i thought you were gonna, gonna say gonna no for well. a second <laughs> i'll piss too you're a fucking legend by the way i didn't understand that i didn't think you were this gnarly i love it Oh, I, I tell you, I, I lose, I lose friends and just, cause if they, if they don't succeed in something, I'm just as hard on them as I am on myself. So it's, it's probably not, Yes, I can't let, I cannot. And I wear my emotion on my sleeve because I just, I have no other way of doing it. Like I, if, if I'm mad at somebody or I don't, if I'm not like happy with them, you're going to know it. And that's, I get in trouble a lot. So, all right. So leadership. Where do you, where do you think, what does that word mean to you? And how do you think it applies to you? I'm curious based on everything that you've just said, I'm curious to, to this. So growing up, obviously my dad has a huge influence on me and he's, he's led me to where I am now. So I feel like now I'm at the point where I'm kind of steering the ship a little bit, like, especially being in the 450 class, 250 class, you're, you're pretty much you're getting told what not getting told what to do, but you're kind of relying on other people. And now I'm actually you're having that transition. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. Now I'm in, I'm in the big show. So now I'm having a hard time because I've always been relying. I've always relied on people to kind of make decisions for me kind of, cause I've always been, had my dad, I've had my team and now I'm in the point where last year I can make decisions and it kind of, I wouldn't say it got to me, but I would, I probably wouldn't be, I guess I would be fine as a manager, but like for me as a rider, I always demand a demand hundred percent. And I demand that it's 
hard work's always going to be given. And for me last year, I felt like I was, I feel like we weren't in a good spot with the bike and I didn't feel like we were going right down the right path. So I was trying to lead them in a way where I thought was better. And I was just being very, I should say probably just pretty much an asshole to everybody. And I, I kind of realized that halfway through the year, I'm like, man, I'm because it was really the first time I've had to actually like steer the ship for me. So I wasn't being a very good leader. And that's kind of where I've came to this year. I've, I'm trying to become more and more somebody that somebody could follow, like whether it be my buddy Garrett that I train or probably one of my best friends in Florida. I try and help him out as much as possible. And people that I am around, especially younger kids and stuff like that, I always try and help them as much as possible. I like to give advice where I can. And it's easier for me to do that with those people than it is for me to like steer my own ship and lead myself in the right direction. So I'm always feel like I can say the right things to people around me, especially people that I am close with. But for me last year, trying to lead the team and, or not lead the team, but lead my, my group of people in the right direction with the bike and stuff. I get super short. I pretty much just be, like I said, an ass to people. And I've kind of learned that. And, but for growing up, like I said, my dad has always led me in the right direction. Didn't let me make any mistakes. And, um, I guess I kind of, it, it almost hindered me a little bit because I'm not, I wasn't super confident in how I was being able, or I, I wasn't comfortable with making decisions and being able to put myself in the right direction. So I would say I'm learning with it, but overall, like people around me, whether it be my agent, my buddy Garrett, just my friends in general, I try to always put them in the right direction and lead them down a path where I know like, cause I've just been this way since I've little, I was little. So for me, it's easy, but for other people, it's hard for them to be motivated. And I want to see people be successful. So for me, I always feel like I could, when I was done, I could be a team manager or something in a, in a role where I could help people. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. And I'm trying to learn how to do that for myself because I wasn't very good at it last year. I don't know if that well, makes, I don't know if that answer. I don't know if that, I don't know if that answers your question, but that yeah. was kind of what I tried to explain a little bit. So first of all, it's pretty dope that you can admit all that. It's second of all, it's pretty dope that you can admit all that to like hundreds of thousands of people. Um, but I, I never give advice. Like I try to never give advice on this podcast ever, especially to people like you that are fucking killing it at life. But, we're very similar in the way that we think about life, the way that we think about hard work, expectations, like all that sort of stuff, right? You've been, you've kind of had a pretty crazy life to just be groomed and have this pathway that you've followed the entire time. I mean, my life has been very successful, but it's been so like, you know what I mean? It's in a very different kind of way. So I'm always reluctant to like give people advice what I've learned personally about myself is that I had all the things that you said, but I was, I had no perspective that if you want to be that guy, if you want to be working hard as fuck, and then you expect all the people, if like if your level's up here and you feel like people are down here and then, but you expect that there, that gap between them and you, that's on you. Like that's mm -hmm. leadership and that's what 
you need to be and again I, I feel weird giving you this advice but so take it or leave it but it's like you need to be a leader and you need to look at yourself every single day as a leader and it's weird because your dad's been the guy that's been there your whole mm-hmm. life and then he's been the one that was kind of leading you like when you're a puppy stage and then you got Beaks who's like the leader and then you've got the team and it's like the team like they're they're fucking so much wiser than me and they've been doing it forever and they know this and it's on you like you're the you're the captain of the ship and if you want these people to come up to your level and be on the level that you're on it's about leadership uh and it's about owning uh everything that's wrong like everything that's wrong with the bike everything that's wrong with the program anything that's wrong with the relationships it's like literally all on you and there's a really good book i don't know if you like reading that much but it's called extreme ownership by jocko willink and then he wrote a follow-up book to that called the dichotomy of leadership um and i recently read it man because i was lacking like seriously lacking in my life when it comes to leadership like this the past 12 months was the first time i'd ever had an employee like i'd, I'd only ever just worked by myself and it was funny man like i went through what you explained like i'm like why the fuck aren't you working essentially you know what i mean and it's like all the time i'd i'd have this feeling of like dude look at what i'm doing look at the effort i'm putting in and it's like i was just wanted that same thing it was like come on like let's go lift up to this is the level i'm on this is the level you need to be on and it's like there has to be some real leadership techniques and some real ownership of like that gap and then look instead of looking at the gap as like the thing that the other person needs to come up to you it's like it's you've got to kind of go halfway and own everybody's mistakes as your own and if the bike's not working yeah you're not the dude that's putting the setting in the fork or the shock but it's like it's it's your bike you're the leader and it's like the captain's got to go down with the ship and man I really invested some time over the last like four or five months, like trying to learn more about leadership because like you're a natural leader. So the, all the things that you've described and like the dedication, the discipline, the hard work, the expectation, you're a born leader in that sense, you know? And I think that what happens sometimes is when you don't really realize the position that you're in to where it's like, holy fuck, like I am the leader, like everything stops with me. And I think that, you know, it's like that sounds like that mentality shift that you're starting to have. So like for me, I would say to you, like really like read about leadership, invest in like learning because what you're describing is like a young kid. You're a young kid that is a leader that is like not yet fully experienced in that role of being a leader. And I think that, man, if you like really get, that side of it dialed like that might be the thing that is gonna just fucking (laughs) yeah i i completely agree with that because i mean i don't go i don't want to get into like relationship stuff on here but like it's so easy to point the finger in that especially because you're always gonna have problems you're always gonna have stuff and you have to work through it but it's so easy to say that you're not the one that's the problem and this last i would say four or five months i've really kind of well especially it all started last year when I wasn't getting the results that I wanted to get it's really hard it's really hard to point the finger back at yourself because my dad always told me when you point a finger at somebody you always have three pointing back at you and it's hard to really realize it but for me now 
last year the bike like I was I was I was not I'll, I'll say it straight up last year I was not happy I was frustrated I feel like I wasn't getting what I needed um from the team and just the effort I feel like wasn't there and for me I think a lot of it was how I was treat like not treating them like crap but I was demanding stuff I wasn't working with them and um it's hard it's a it's a tough pill for me to swallow because I've been told that but it's it took me four or five months to realize it so now I'm at the point where mm. I do need to steer these guys in the right direction I can't be negative I gotta be positive I gotta if the bike's not great I gotta somehow corral or get the morale of the team up and try and get them surrounded surrounding me and trying to just build and get better so last year I'll, I mean straight up I was I wasn't doing it right I was that was probably a lot of my problem last year I wasn't communicating well with the team I wasn't getting the point across that I needed to get across so yeah, it's crazy that you said that because it's it, you hit the nail on the head because that's exactly what was going on last year with me and um now that I've kind of I'm not saying I got to figure it out but I'm definitely on the right path to kind of being able to yeah like you said lead people and just it's all about getting what you need but getting people around you to do it and um as a racer you are in control but you also have you rely on a lot of people to do jobs so that you mm. can do your job so I always give credit where credit's due whenever I feel like the bike's good I always tell the guys like dude you guys get a great job but it's also when it's not good you got to kind of get the morale around and kind of get them to support you so yeah it's definitely something you have to work on and it's never I've never dealt with that on the tubity side it's hard because yeah you're always controlled and my dad obviously has led me to this point but now it's kind of in my hands and I have to learn it and uh it's been a it's been a transition but like I said it's it's been a big learning curve and for me I've I've dealt with it in every area of my life yeah yeah it's cool man and and like I said I fucking never want to try and preach like I got some shit figured out like I'm learning like I'm reading about a lot of different stuff like it's a constant process but I mean for me like the so like Rones is the he started working for us like it's been a year right and I just had these like expectations it's like this job isn't hard you just fucking cut the clip you put the logo you do you know it's easy like technically it's easy but it's like that's there's so much more that's at play like that's a that's a young guy like that he's got his own stuff going on he's got his own issues and like maybe he's worried about fucking up and then the fact that he is worried about it means he does and like people are complicated and i think that as soon as i shifted my mindset from like this is the expectation meet the fucking expectation it's not that hard and it's like as soon as i shifted from that to like almost lowering myself down to that level and be like all right what do we like let's do this together like let's start from here and it's me and you together let's build this up it's not like hey come on and that's how i really feel like that's kind of how i was for so long and then you can get frustrated and then emotional and and like i said that whole like being the calmest person in the room i think that if that if that's a goal too like again that's just like you you look at great leaders and that's what leaders do you know they're just like calm they're stoic they're very they're very uh like almost like monotone in a way it gives people confidence that you know like if you're like so let's just say you're like a a suspension dude and like you're emotional and you can see that you're emotional like 
to me, you'd look at that person and be like, oh, this guy's just freaking out. He doesn't, he actually doesn't know what he's talking about. He's, he's just in the midst of, you know, like kind of carrying on essentially, even though the advice might be right. Like what you're trying to say is right. If it's delivered in a way that, that looks shit or it doesn't look like, you know, what's going on. It's like that, even though you could be saying the right thing, that you're not going to get the confidence from there. So it's just, I, yeah, I really think it's just all leadership and like you're, it's like a bless what you have is a blessing and a curse like you have you're blessed with these qualities of like hard work and determination and crazy expectations and then the willingness to to meet your own expectations and then you you can see like one thing that i struggled with with people like and this is probably more so like relationships is like i'd see the potential in people and then see them not meet it and it would fucking make me so mad i'm like what are you doing man like look at what you've got and you're not fucking doing it and like it would drive me crazy but again that's not leadership that's just straight judgment so it's like at every step of the way like how do you put the leadership hat on and just be like super humble and super gracious and just like help people like just because you can see what somebody can do and you can see the potential that they have that that's not helping them like they're obviously lacking some tools to get there so it's just like all the time man it's just like all right how do we lower and and lower yourself sounds bad but it's i don't mean it in that sense it's like lower yourself down get on the ground floor of like what this problem is and then build it up together and dude it's so rewarding like you know and in the last few months of working with Rones in particular it's just like he's come so far you know like just from this different mindset of like real like leadership and then I'm so proud of his successes now like the the whole dynamic of the relationship is so different like it gives me so much more joy like before it was almost like there was no joy in him doing something right because all I I was like well fucking so you should like you're you're doing your job But it's like, you know, when you kind of go down and then it becomes this like process that you work on together that it becomes like really, really fulfilling. And then I think that starts to like generate momentum and then, you know, you can kind of become unstoppable in that way. Yeah. And when you said like you expect if you see someone's potential and then you don't, you're not getting it out of them or you're not seeing them fulfill that, that I have the same thing. Like it's hard to, it's easy to it's easy to tell them what to do, but actually helping them and bringing them up is the, it's, it's harder to do it that way. It's easy to tell them, Oh, you need to do this. You need to do that. But at the end of the day, if you help them to get there, it's, that's the hard way to do it, but it's also rewarding at the same time when you see them succeed. And, um, one thing I go back to, um, if you if you watch the last dance, I don't know if you've seen it on Netflix with Michael Jordan. Um, he, they basically do it. They basically, they basically, they do a documentary on Michael Jordan and the bulls basically. And, um, you see that that team was successful because one guy that was more driven than any of those guys out there brought the team up with him. But he also, he did it by, like you said, you have to go in there, you have to lower yourself, you have to get in there and you have to pick apart the people that you feel like aren't working hard. And that's what he did. No, not a lot of people like, like, I feel like his teammates kind of resent, some of them resent him for it. But at the end of the day, they won six, uh, NBA championships because of him. So you gotta, you gotta be tough with people, but 
at the same time, that's what I'm trying to learn. And that's what I've kind of realized that you have to get down there and you have to be able to pick them up and bring, bring them up with you. Because at the end of the day, you need, like he is, he's relying on his team to be able, he can't win a championship alone. Yeah. Same way in our sport. You can't win a championship by pure talent. You have to do it with trainers, suspension guys, coaches, chassis guys, team managers. It's, it's a, it's a crew coming together. And, um, that's one thing that I'm excited about this year. I feel like the team morale is a lot better. And last year I didn't feel like we had that because coming from Geico, I mean, it was like, it was literally a family for me. Like the owner, my mechanic, just everybody around me, the suspension guy, I feel like we had a really good group. And last year I feel like going to the races was not that fun for me. I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for saying that, but I didn't feel like we had the best team morale. And I feel like just the stuff we've been going through this year and testing. And, um, I feel like we just have a good group of people around us and that's kind of what I'm encouraged by. And that's kind of helping me want to be better at leading people and trying to, uh, just get better at that skill. Cause at the end of the day, it helps you in every aspect of life. So I definitely don't know everything. And I'm the first one to admit that I, I have a lot of work to do on the bike, off the bike, whatever. But, um, that's definitely one thing I've learned in the past. I don't know, five months. That's sick, man. And that's, you know what? That's the first step to like actually killing it. And it's like, if you look at your life, the things that you understand that you needed to work on and then you worked on them and then you got better at it. So it's just like, you don't know what you don't know, but then it's kind of, so that part's not on you. But then it's like, as soon as you do know, as soon as you do know something that has to uh, be improved upon, then it's like, and that is on you. Like you do yeah. need to own that shit. So the fact that you know it now, that's obviously like the first step. And then you just got to look historically at everything that you've done in your life. Like I'm sure there's not that many things that you've, when you know something to be true and then you decide to work on it. Like I'm guessing there's not that much shit you haven't seen improvements in, you know? No, I mean, it's, it goes back to being disciplined. Anything you work on, I don't care if you're, what your problem or whatever it is, if you try and make it, if you work on it and make it better, uh, it's, it's not easy, but you're always going to get better at it. And that's something that's, um, it's always encouraging because some things can seem like it's not fixable, but I always try and see that yeah. there, there's, there's always a way that no matter what you, no matter how you look at it, there is always a way to fix something. So that's kind of, uh, my mindset and you got to try and think of it half or glass half full and not half empty. And that's, um, that's my two cents. I'm not a motivational speaker, but I guess that's kind of where my mind's at at this point. Yeah, that's fair. That's funny. Like I, I wrote down decisions because man, I get so cooked mentally from making decisions. I just feel like I make a million decisions a day and sometimes like that's one of the, the, I guess when you're in any kind of like leadership role, you kind of just have to accept that you've got to make all these fucking annoying decisions that you were just like, dude, just do it. Just do the thing that you know to do because I'm so fucking fried from making a million decisions every single day. But it's just, that's, that's the thing I probably struggle with the most. I just get to a point in the day sometimes where I'm like, uh, I'm done making decisions. I don't care what I eat for dinner. I don't care about anything. Like I've, I'm can't make another decision. Yeah, I mean, it's the same way. I get so fried, and like the last thing I want to do is decide what I'm, what we're like. If someone's asked me what you want to get for dinner, like 
I don't want to decide. Like I'm almost, <laughs> I'm pretty indecisive. I'm not indecisive. If I know it's, it's, it's weird. Cause I'm indecisive on some things, but when I know something, I'll be sure to let you know. But there's like something like dinner. Like I'm just, I make decisions all day because at the end I am my own based on my own boss. So um, you're the same way. So it's just having a responsibility and it fries you at some, at some point. <laughs> so uh, I want to go back. There was uh, there was something really cool that I came across like on your Instagram or something like when we first said we we're going to do this, I like went all the way back to your Instagram, which is actually pretty cool because you're one of the people that like doesn't delete all that old shit just so your Instagram yeah. looks like. And uh, I saw there's like videos of you doing like figure eight tracks and like a bunch of just skill stuff as a kid and it wasn't it's weird because with you riding like i was definitely a fan of you on a 250 like you're just kill killing it you winning races super nice dude it's like easy to be a fan of you but the riding stuff like the technical stuff it didn't seem to like really hit me in the way because I, I think you are the best rider on the on the field in terms of like technically on the bike what you do like I know enough about riding and the position to be in on bikes to pretty much like play a video of Chase Sexton press pause perfect position let it go again press pause perfect position and it just didn't seem like on a 250 like it's similar but it just seemed like until you got on the 450, it just didn't really like hit the way that it does now. And everybody that you talk to will say the same thing. So like, let's just spend a bit talking about technique. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it goes back to my dad because, um, not that I hate to give him this much credit, but it just, it's, it's painful because no matter if everyone knows their dad, like especially if he's one that pushes you, you hate to break, you hate to admit, but he was right 75% of the time at least. So for me, I mean, I was always, I always had a figure eight in my backyard. I always, he was big on technique and he's still my riding coach basically. So I didn't have many trainers. I had a few here and there, but I was never at a facility, nothing. So I always was basically with him starting from the beginning. I mean, I was, like I said, winners, winners and, Illinois, I can't ride outside. So I'm riding indoors. I'm riding a pretty much frozen track all winter, which was good for me. Good to get that, um, stadium style track. But as far as technique, I mean, my dad, if I'm not hitting this, if I wasn't hitting this corner, right on practice day, we would be out there until I hit it right. No matter if it's pitch black, I can't see anything. I would be out there until I got it right. At least he was always big on habits because I think it's 40 something or I think it takes 10, seven times to make a bad habit. And it takes 40 sometimes to create a new one or a good habit. So I don't know if that, you can't fact check me on that, but that's what he told me. So he was, he, <laughs> we were there until I got the it. Time it works yeah. every time. <laughs> exactly. And we were there until I got it right multiple times in a row. So that's pretty much where it was installed into my head where I had to be perfect. I had to be, um, always in the right position on the bike and it makes everything easier. You can go way faster. You have a way higher ceiling if you can ride the bike correctly. And that's where I'm at. I feel like I have a ceiling that I haven't hit. Um, I feel like I have more in me than I've shown speed wise, everything. Obviously I'm 
my it's only my fifth year pro, but I feel like I have a big ceiling, and um, I guess I give that credit to him because he drilled it day in day out. I rode three times a week, raced twice on the weekend, um, and practice days were they were gnarly because I was there until I got everything right, and then we went home. So um, yeah, there was like a lot of good stories growing up because I definitely didn't have the normal growing up in California. Didn't have practice tracks I had just not that many resources around me but to grow to where I am now I wouldn't change it because I feel like it's who made me who I am so what what did a um what did a day of practicing look like for you because I mean when I was a kid we just like went and rode you know like it wasn't we didn't really have much structure like my dad was cruisy like we you know we were just fucking riding that like the shittest tracks in the world um but i i thought like i had this uh this kind of picture in my head that i just wasn't very good at writing and that was just how it was like you get people like you like you're just born able to do what you can do and then it's funny like it wasn't until i started doing jujitsu and i started like working way harder than everybody else that was on my level and then you just start fucking these people up and then everyone's like man you're so talented and i'm like no i'm not talented like i go home and i watch tape and i study and i i drill and i do this and i train more than you and so then i was like oh fuck okay maybe this is what this is why i sucked at motocross is because i just wasn't that guy yeah i mean so i i mean hard work beats talent all the time and that's what my dad always told me i was very talented i've always been talented on a dirt bike that's what my gift was that's why I work my, my butt off cause I know I have a gift and I don't want to waste it. But so growing up in Illinois, um, I went to school, public school through eighth grade. Um, my dad worked nine to five at a car dealership. My mom was a school teacher. Um, we obviously didn't have a lot of money growing up. Um, so that was obviously hard, but, um, I feel like now being growing up and not having much, I feel like I'm still hungry like I wasn't given everything I still feel like I have I'm very tight with money I I feel like they gave me a lot of good habits as a young kid but um for me I would get off my dad would get off work at five well I'd get off of school ride the bus home um I'd get I just I probably would go out on my pit bike and ride. I had a track in my backyard later probably from when I was nine to till I was 16 so I'd go out ride my pit bike for an hour, wait for my dad to get home at five o'clock, load everything up, put it in the back of the van. And then we go to a, a practice track, which is either a backyard track, or we had tracks around us that would let me come out and ride later in the evening. I get in dressed in the back of the van, get out, get my bike out. And I would ride without structure. I didn't do 20 minute motos besides for before Loretta's. Um, I wouldn't do any motos. I would just ride work technique with my dad where he felt like I needed to get better. And uh, I ride till dark, load it up, stop, get ice cream, dinner on the way home. Wouldn't get home till probably, I mean, some days it didn't get, especially in the summer, we would sit around and talk with my buddies until yeah. 10 o'clock. Wouldn't get home till 11, 12 o'clock at night, wake up, go to school and do the same thing Tuesday through Thursday, go race Saturday. Sometimes I would race Saturday, race Saturday night at a different track and then load up and race Sunday. So I was racing two to three times every weekend since I was four years old, pretty much. So, 
Um, it was definitely a lifestyle and I will always say Illinois has the best racing atmosphere. It's like a family atmosphere. Everyone likes each other pretty much. Um, I have some of my best friends from racing growing up. So it was definitely something cool and I definitely wouldn't change it. I wouldn't want to be in California. I feel like that's why I have the motivation I have today because I rode in the, the winter where it wasn't pretty. Um, I didn't get to ride a whole bunch, but I'd ride a sand track outdoors in 30 degree weather with snow on the ground sometimes. And, um, it was gnarly, but it's a cool story too. Cause I don't really get to share it that much because we don't really get to do stuff like this a whole lot. So it's cool to share it. And that was pretty much my life from when I was seven to 16, 17 years old. And when did you realize that you were just a different dude to other kids? Like, because you know, you're training like a, an athlete essentially from such a young age with like this goal in your mind. And then you go into school with kids that are playing fucking video games and like, you know, trying to have like little girlfriends and stuff at school. And it's just like, that's their whole world. Like, when did you realize like, ah, oh, I'm way different to these kids? Well, there was like different levels. I knew I was different, obviously, from when I started racing. I was missing all these events at school. I was, couldn't play sports, couldn't do anything. So I knew I was different in that aspect. But I didn't really feel like I was different until I did homeschooling and when I was a freshman in high school. So when I started to do homeschool, that's when I kind of figured out like, okay, well, I got to make this work. And I, I am definitely living a different life because when I was in the school, I mean... I was living a relatively normal life because as normal as it can be when I'm racing, because I was still going to school. I was still doing everything in school. I had girlfriends when I was in fifth grade. I was doing all the normal stuff. I had my, one of my best friends was in school with me. He actually read, wrote a little bit, but was mostly, he raced track, was super good at that. So I always surrounded myself with people that I felt like were motivated and driven. And like I said, that goes back to our last conversation, but, um, I really felt like I was different when I started to get in homeschool. And then when I moved to Florida, um, pretty much turned my life into when I turned pro, that's when I kind of really had to man up and become a racer and a professional athlete. And then now, I mean, it's different levels. So then I go to from the activity class where I felt like it was relatively not easy, but I was getting through it a lot easier. And then the 450 class, you have to become a whole different person. So I'm still adjusting to that, but I definitely feel like uh, there's different levels to being different. Is that was there ever like a, I guess like a reluctance, at any point where you were like, "Fuck, I don't know if like I want this," like because you know you can be super driven and you can be talented and you can like see the path for yourself, but like seeing the path and walking the path are just two completely different things. And like if you really believe in your potential sometimes it's hard to even like accept the potential success the the potential success that you could have like even for me with the podcast man I feel like for the first two years I just wasn't really going all the way in because I was like fuck I don't know if I want everything that's going to come with this if it if it like if things just grow and get exponentially bigger then it's like that's a certain point like you just can't get off the ride and you know so it's like you're having like I'm getting to make that decision that you know like 30 you're having to make that decision of like 14 so it's like i don't know was there ever any of that come into play with you i would say like when i was younger and when i was going to races with my dad and 
until really I got signed with Geico, I never really thought about, which is probably a good thing because I didn't have that pressure. Like, mm. I mean, I would have never raced pro if I never got a ride. My family couldn't afford to do privateer. I couldn't, I would have been done. I would have went to college, probably not even went to college. I would probably would have started working wherever when I was after that. So probably a good thing. I didn't think about it. Cause I didn't, I didn't really think about going pro. I mean, I did think about, it. I always wanted to be pro, but I never really thought it was going to be reality until I was winning B championships and I was getting offers from teams. And I always was very focused on the race ahead of me instead of thinking long-term, which I still do. I've still focused on a one and nothing else really matters. So that was a good thing for me because there would have been a lot of pressure dads. I see nowadays, some of them are always worried about kids getting their, like they're so worried about these kids getting rides, which makes sense. But these kids are also worried about it, and that just ruins, I feel like, the fun of the sport. I always mm. grew up having fun. My dad always, no matter how much he was a drill sergeant on technique, it was always meant to be fun because if it's not fun, there's no mean, there's no reason to do it. I'm not, I'm still not in this. I mean, I'm here to make money and make a living, but winning is more important than having a bonus check for me. I would take the pride of winning over, or not the pride, but having that accomplishment like yeah th- like i worked my yeah. my ass off to get here and to win that race or a race is more than i i need i don't need a bonus i mean obviously it's it's nice to have a bonus check after a race when you do good but i don't think Send about that when i'm racing on. yeah that, <laughs> i mean i i don't mind cashing those things at the end of the day but for me i'm not in the race where i'm like oh i need to i need to like make money to keep doing this yeah, i'm yeah. always doing it for what I've put into it. And that's where I've been in my whole life. I, I didn't really realize it until I was probably 15 when I was getting right offers from stocks. I was on star when I was in B class, I was riding a Yamaha and then I got a Geico offer. Um, and then that kind of just took off from there. And then now obviously I'm in a whole different spot, but I kind of just try and take it one race, one year at a time. And that's what I think has helped me a lot too. Yeah. Um, so to talk about the technique thing, um, again, I, I had like a, there was some video, fuck, I can't remember what one it was. It's just you riding outdoors in Florida on, on the 450, like when you kind of first got on the 450. And so you changed my riding style completely. I watched this video and I, I was just like studying this video. I just put it on like, cause I'm, I mean, I feel like we've established we're fairly similar in our mentality with yeah. stuff. Like, even though I suck at racing and I'm never going to be a professional racer, the point of me riding is just to get better at it. It's just what yeah. I care about. That, to me, is the fun. And I'm the same with golf. Like, I've been super obsessed with golf. Same with surfing. And it's like, I just, I like to improve. That, to me, feels like fun. And uh, so, anyway, I'm, like, watching this video and I've slowed it down on YouTube and I, like have a click moment where I like figure out I'm like I'm like okay Chase Sexton's kneecap is never in front of the front arch of his foot and it's just like as soon so I don't know if that makes sense to you or like what your thought of it is but it's like as soon as you go from like your sitting position to like your standing attack position your knee literally goes back to like level like straight up and down like your shin bone or back further and then that like tips the chest down flat and then puts the ass out backwards so it's like 
that to me, I feel like you're like one of the pioneers of that technique. Is that a thing that you figured out? Is that like a natural thing that you did or like what? Like, I don't even know if like, if this even makes sense. It may, I mean, it makes sense, but I've been so, it's been so drilled into my mind about my dad never rode a dirt bike or he rode a little bit. He was never good, but he's really good at picking up what people do really good and picking pieces of people's riding styles and putting it into mine. And I do everything. Not one, not one part of me on the track when I'm racing or riding is worried about technique. I just somehow that's one thing I'm grateful for because I can just do that and not have to think about it. And obviously I have my dad there to watch if I'm doing something wrong. So I'm kind of at that, have that ease where I'm not worried about technique, but I haven't even looked at, I don't even pay that much attention to my own riding style to even think about that because I'm always working on what other people do better because I'm trying to build what I can do better. And I feel like technique is kind of my strong point. So I'm always looking on, like I've, we talked about before, what I can do better and what I need to improve on. So what you're saying, I've never even noticed. So that's that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'd be interested like to go and watch and like that it's new, man. Like that's the new way that, that people ride. And I mean, I went, um, I trained like, as hard as I guess I could with all like my work commitments and stuff like this year, I'm going to go do the same race again, but I'm going to try and train like a little bit harder for it. But man, like it's, it's funny. I've just never thought about motocross in the same sense that I would think about like golf or jujitsu. And to me, like you would think if I say like, Oh, that's like my swing thought. So like when you swing a golf club, you've got a certain thought in your head, I'm sure um that's like i need to get into like this position and i'm sort of for the first time over these last few years like trying to relate riding back to golf and you know uh jujitsu and the thing where it's so technical because like that's my strong point in those sports is like my ability to like look at technique it's just really hard to put it into play but yeah i mean that was like a i guess my first ever swing thought in moto was to never let in a standing position never let my kneecap go uh, in front of like the front arch of my of my foot so I'd be pretty interested to see you like watch that you know technique but to me it was just like go from sitting and just throw my knees back like as far as possible and that get into that position and you know I went to that race in Manji and like actually did fairly good and I was doing the same thing like I just paused the video at that certain times and like the knees go back and like it just it changed like everything and and what you were saying before about like technique being the thing that lets you go fast like I actually did go faster just purely because I felt safer like Mm -hmm. it's not like uh the speed thing like I always just thought that I was like kind of scared to go that fast but I think the reality is is that you're not in a position that lets you go fast comfortably to where like you can predict what the bike's going to do. But when you get into these like really strong technical positions, that's just like the geometry wise, like that's the thing that lets the bike go faster. And then you don't feel the speed as such. Yeah. um, I'd actually be interested. So I feel like my, my style really changed. I started doing foundation training, which is, 
basically a postural restoration. It's basically like where you feel anchored yep. to the ground and you use a lot of your feet by squeezing in and you basically use your body as like a, you try and create as much tension with your body as possible in a, in a stance. Like it's called the founder. If you look it up, I think what you're t- saying with my riding style is a lot to do with that. And I started doing that really three, four years ago. So when you, when we get off this, look at foundation training and start doing it because I don't do it as much anymore, but it really helps you. If you look at the inside of my boots, they're all like from the toe to the, all the way back to the heel is all just destroyed. And that's basically creating just tension inward on my bike. And I would say that's probably a little bit of what you're talking about and getting your hips back and your knees um, back as well as a lot to do with this. It's called a founder hold. And I'd be interested if you, if you actually started doing it, if it become natural, because like I said, I don't, when I ride, I'm more focused on lean angle, trying to just be more consistent and be planned in the corners. And I'm not thinking about my elbows, my knees, my leg. I'm yeah. keeping about, I'm focused on keeping my leg off the, obviously off the ground. And I've been focusing a lot. I'm keeping it on the pegs when I don't need to. And I stand a lot. So I focus on that stuff and mostly just entry speed and making one arc and just stuff like that. And stuff with the whoops, not chopping the throttle on the first one. And just honestly, basic things like stuff that you could teach a beginner because that's what makes the track fluid. And yeah. when you get a flow, it just all comes comes together. So that's what I think about. I really don't think about anything too too complicated because i think i've been so in, it's been ingrained in my mind that i don't really have to think about it too much it's uh man that's so interesting you said posture so um i've got one of like so my posture sucks mm-hmm. uh just in day daily life and it's funny i that's like the the one thing uh that i noticed like i've got my footwork side of riding dialed now like i can get into that position it's funny it's, i'm interested to see what a founder hold is because i notice like i've done a lot of work on my hamstring flexibility which like i need for jiu-jitsu anyway but yeah. like to i've i've noticed that i'm i may be working on a founder hold like I, I don't actually know what it is but so like that position where you're like bent over but you're like putting your knees and your hips back and it puts all this load on your hamstrings and you feel like tight in in the back like all the way through like the back of your legs so i'd be interested if that's kind of what it is and i've been and and then so i notice i'm like oh so i've been working on that like the lower body side of riding for a while and i feel like i'm getting better in that but i've noticed like i spend no shit 11 hours a day at a desk like it's fucked my my right shoulder like all in my shoulder blade the muscle of there from like holding a camera in my right arm putting my shoulder forward to like keep it where i can see it there's like this crazy like weird shit that's going on with like my shoulders and my back from years of filming and then years of sitting at a desk and i look at jet like jet's probably the other dude that i think has probably the most insane technique Mm -hmm. and like the just the posture is just like i can't even get into the posture that he's in mid pausing a frame of a video i can't even get my neck back that far because like my neck's all fucked up like just posturally 
I'm not right. And it's like, it translates to the bike. And I look at guys like you and Jed and you just see this like flawless, solid posture, like rock solid. So it's insane to hear you say that that was such like a big part of your training. Yeah. I mean, like you said, I mean, Jet and Hunter both have great style. And I think a lot of it just, and even Kenny, I mean, honestly, all four of us on Honda have, I mean, I would say some of the best style, just overall being able to ride the bike easy or it's not easy. Obviously. It's never easy, but we all make it look fairly easy, um, which is cool. But I think, um, like I said, Jet obviously is super talented. He does a lot of stuff on the bike where I am impressed. And I don't, you don't see a lot of that nowadays with not that kids coming up aren't talented and stuff, but I really look at form because the same. Yeah. Well, I always look at form because you can always go fast having bad form, but you can't, especially as an amateur, I always feel like these kids are, they can ride the bike a certain way, but once you get to the pros and you have to do it for a extended amount of time, um, it really can bite you. And I actually just watched a video of Deegan riding and I will say that he's got great form. Like, Right, I watched a video of him racing at Minio's on the um, on the 250F, and I mean, he looks like he rides the bike properly, which is refreshing to see, because not a lot of those younger kids like that. Not to hate on them, I just feel like a lot if they have their elbows down, and that can just really bite you when you get to a bike that has the force behind it, at like a 450 or even a 250, because it's it it just it's easier for to make mistakes, and those things catch up with you a lot easier when you're not in the right position on the bike. So when you're, when you can freeze frame somebody and they're in the right position, that means that they know how to ride a dirt bike and they are doing that for a reason. So, um, yeah, I think a lot of kids now, not, I'm not, I'm not even trying to be like, like, you know how those old guys like all oh, back in the day, like, yeah, yeah, or like, yeah, that we yeah. always did it. I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying like, as a form thing, I think it's safer for people to ride with, better form be be able to be taught young but it's they're so late now like when you're after you're if you don't know how to ride a bike mm. by the time you're on 85 you're not changing any of that from from re, when you're on 85 you're not changing someone's riding style when they're on a 250f it's just not going to happen because by the by the time they figure, figured out how to ride the bike that way it's like my dad said breaking a habit's so much easier than making one so i just think yeah. a lot of these guys they ain't changing their ride style they're gonna have to learn learn how to ride like that so it's more difficult i would say i think uh it's interesting you brought up deegan man because like i really think that i mean obviously i'm kind of biased like i'd say me and brian are, are definitely friends now after like the last year or so of like doing this together and some you know like talking business and shit like that um so i'm definitely biased and i'm like a massive danger boy fan um and it's it was mind-blowing to me, I haven't really spoke about this, but it was mind blowing to me the difference. Like, so he first did the podcast in May, right? And it was before Brian did it. Brian was like, oh, "I'd love to get di- like Hay- Hayden on just for you know twenty minutes, just to just to do it." And I was like, "Fuck!" I was not prepared for this. Like, I did not have any questions for a fourteen year old kid in mind. Like, I just it was and it was hard to converse with him you know like that was a kid he didn't really know what he was doing it sounded like a podium thing and like to do i think they we might we must have done that in october the second one with him bro completely different kid 
like the learning curve that he's been on to just personally to you know have that conversation like i have conversations for a living so to see somebody make that big of a difference in a conversation i was like jesus man like this kid's gnarly and then to see the way that he is riding that star bike like i agree man like there's a lot of effort that is going into like him doing it properly and i think people instantly want to hate on that kid and think that he's not gonna do as well as he's gonna do like I think if you're sleeping on Hayden Deegan and if you've got any like ego around like he's not working hard, he's just been given everything, they just went to staff for money, like I hope none of his competitors think like that because he's going to fucking destroy those people that doubt him. Like he's just one of those kids, eh? Yeah, I mean, I've met him a few times and obviously talked to Brian a little bit, but I haven't, I mean, I don't really know him at all. I'm just from what I've seen and just from how he's taken to the big bike because a lot of kids like, I mean, he does rev the bike, which obviously I, I don't really rev it that much, but he revs it, but he also rides it fundamentally correct. I feel like, and a lot of, I mean, he's, he has been very fortunate growing up and he has had stuff. He has the tools to, I guess, make yeah. it and to actually, I respect it more that he has the tools and has been given all that to make it, or he hasn't made it. I wouldn't say he's made it yet until you win a 450 championship. I don't think you really made it. So I haven't made it really either, but um, I would say it's probably more respectable to see him where he is now when he's been given all this stuff as a young kid to work that hard. And it's pretty cool to see because he has been very fortunate, but he obviously seems to take it and use it to his advantage. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think a lot of people want to play that card with him, you know, like a lot of people want to discredit the the program. Um, and uh, I'm just like, man, I hope none of the competitors, like people that are going to have to race that kid. I really hope that that's not what they're thinking because he's just going to flog them. <laughs> you know, like I think that anytime you, un- you don't give somebody like, because they're just not living in reality and it's like you with coop you know like yeah yeah it sounds like you want to fucking get his autograph but it's like you're living in reality you're like paying respect to a dude that earns it because if you don't you could you can never beat somebody that you don't respect i think no you and it's just like living in denial i mean i'd be stupid to come on here and say (laughs) cooper's not a good rock i mean look what he's done and i it just goes back to saying like, I respect everybody I race because I think everybody does something. I look at it as everyone does something really good and that you can take from every rider. Like you could take something from Tomac, Mm. Adam, Kenny Cooper. And if you can put all that stuff together, you're going to be unbeatable. And that's kind of where I've tried to learn. Cause it's, if you're thinking you do everything right, it's, it's going to bite you eventually. Um, usually those people are, (laughs) they can be successful from time to time but in the long run you got to be able to um get better and be able to take stuff from from stuff you see and put it into your own um own thing so yeah. that's kind of where i've i've had to mature and i think it's one of my strong points is being able to take stuff from other people and respect what they do and yeah not be in denial because if you live in denial you just <laughs> you're never gonna get you never get to get around <laughs> to stuff that you need to. So, um, yeah, I would just look at it that way. And I think, like you said with Hayden, he's going to be good. I mean, it's, it's hard to deny that he's on one of the best bikes. I'm not going to say the best that I ride for Honda, but 
Uh, for a 250F, that thing is very good. I've ridden it when I was younger, when he I was his age. So I know it's good, and um, he's on a good program because they obviously are very successful, and I don't really care if I get in trouble because they – if you want – what they've taken that program to from not being successful, I mean, it's unbelievable in the stuff they're doing. So I give respect where respect's due. They have pretty much – Ferran has pretty much outworked all of us last year in outdoors, and that's why he won. So it's pretty uh, – it's hard to swallow, but – it makes me more and more hungry. So that's something I have to kind of live with. And that's kind of where it comes to a leadership thing. He's obviously very good at leading that team to getting what he wants. And that's kind of my mindset this year, because I can say all day that it needs to be better, needs to be better. But until I go and help them or not help them, but try and encourage people to be better and get to the end result that I need to get to, it's not going to happen. So, um, I respect obviously what they do and I sound like a kiss ass, but I mean, it's, it's, it's facts. I mean, you look at the paper, it is what it is. the yeah. results. So we got to work harder and not let that happen. It'd be hard, man. Like as well too, that, you know, like you've got Ken Roxon as a teammate. It's like, that's one of the most established dudes in the field. And, there's just there's a reality it's uh, in motorsport of you know like you get like a casey stoner and a danny pedrosa and you know what i mean like like jack is going through it right now like jack's trying to win a championship his teammates are trying to win a championship like that's a that's a tough kind of thing for a rider to navigate as well and i mean like your debut like your debut season on a 450 and you're faster than kenny at times and it's like your mental expectation is like there's no difference between you guys but like statistical probability of ken winning a championship over you it's like i hate to break it to you but statistically he's got a better chance in everybody's mind so it's like you're you are battling like no matter what you are battling that so it's like i mean you you're even in the tougher position where like you've got to make the most of that situation and that takes a yeah. lot. That, that, yeah. that can fuck people's careers, dude. No, 100%. And that's where it was It was going down that road last year where I was like, I was salty because I felt like, I just felt like there was, I wasn't getting the attention that I feel like I needed, but it was more that I, we've already talked about. I was kind of being a, a prick and just not being super, um, not understanding, but I wasn't relaying the message that well. And obviously Kenny, you look at it on paper. He is obviously, you would say more capable of winning a championship. But for me, um, I feel like you think, no, I mean, that's not what I think. And I I think I know I have the, I know my potential and I know what I'm capable of. And I think being teammates with Kenny has also helped me because I see what he went through last year and being in a championship battle up close because the 250 class, I mean, it, I mean, it's so much, I wouldn't, it's not easy. It's not easy to win a championship of the 250 class. That last year was hard, but it's nine races, not 17. So I've kind of seen how he's taken it and the team's taken it and just trying to kind of mentally prepare myself to be in that position because that's where I want to be. And, I don't want to win one championship. I want to win multiple. That's why I'm here. You People can do it once, but doing it twice is a lot harder. So um, 
yeah, that's kind of where I'm at and just trying to learn as much as I can right now because I'm still young and obviously you look at paper and I'm the underdog, but I want to get back to that spot where on the 250 that second year, I was expected to win. I like that, that pressure. And I like to be in that position where I'm the one that they're chasing. I want to have the number one on my plate. I don't want to be the guy, the underdog, because that's where I feel like I've been. I feel like I clawed myself out of there from the amateurs by winning. Even though Austin got hurt, I Mm. had a number one plate on my back. I won fair and square that year. I was the best guy. I don't care what coast it was. I felt like I was the best guy, no matter what coast I was on. And I want to get back to that point in the 450 class where I have the number one play. I want to be the guy that's chased. I don't want to be the underdog where I'm at right now. So I'm trying to climb myself out of that. Not whole because everyone starts here, but I want to get back to where I was, where Cooper's at right now, where he is technically the guy coming into the season. And that's where I know I'm capable of being. And that's where I want to get to. So it's just, uh, it's a journey, but um, like we said, everything that's worth working for is not easy. So I'm, uh, I'm just enjoying the process. Like everyone else says. And, and the thing, the thing is too, man, is like that whole, like, Kenny being the main guy, like, fuck dude, you reel off three wins in a row. Like it changes real sorry, quick. Bro, you ain't get change. You ain't changes real shit. quick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it can go, there's, it there's can go like either a, way. Yeah. There's like a level of like undeniability that you can, you can attain for yourself. And like, I mean, that's been, that's like one of my strategies that I've always tried to have in my life is like, I'm just going to do something until I'm completely undeniable. Like I can write my own checks and, you know, like in, in my example with doing the podcast, it was like the money side of it. Like it just wasn't coming in for so long and people like, maybe you should get a job. Maybe you should do this. Maybe you should do that. Why don't you do your show like this? Why don't you do your show like that? because that's probably like the easier way to make money and i was like no fuck all that i'm gonna become undeniable like this thing will make money just like because it has to like it's Mm -hmm. this thing that people know like if you want this you need to go here if you want a message put out if you want this product blah 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 it's like it's so good that you can't not give it the attention and the the respect that it that it kind of deserves and it's like i think that whenever you're in like an underdog position that's the mentality is like undeniability like just strive for undeniability like no get to the position where like no one can fucking say a a word against what you're doing yeah and that's exactly where i was in 2020 because a lot of people wrote off my first championship which i don't care what anyone says you have to be there every race i don't care what you say austin beat me six races in a row whatever it was but I ultimately won the championship. So going into that next year, I looked at myself like I was the guy to be, but no one else. Now I don't think anyone, a lot of people did. And I had to raise Shane, which a lot of people don't give Shane the credit. He was really good that year. I think, especially in the East West shootout, it was pretty, um, it was hard to overlook that we were the best. I feel like we were the best two guys out of any of them out there. So I just felt like I was not given the respect that I was, I felt like I had earned. And when I won the East West shootout and won the championship, I'm like, all right, peace guys. I'm going to the, I'm going to the 450 class where I feel like I, I belong and I can ride to my potential. Cause I feel like the 250 was slow for what I was, how big <laughs> I was. And I was just, I was ready to get out. And 
I feel like I accomplished what I needed to in that class. Obviously I would have loved to win an outdoor championship. Didn't, didn't happen, but I think, uh, I proved even the first year on the outdoors in the 450 class, I won Paula and everyone's like, Oh, well there was no one out there. I think Kenny said like, Oh, well no one was even, no one was there. I'm like, that made me like lit a fire under me. And I'm like, all right, all right, we'll see you next year. And then I didn't, I ended up not winning in a supercross race, but Washougal winning that one felt really good. Cause I hadn't had the best year and to get that win felt meant a lot and kind of boosted me back up because I was struggling and I was dealing with stuff that, um, just mentally and whatnot. So I, uh, I kind of overcame that and now I feel like I'm, I'm ready. I always have a chip on my shoulder. I always feel like I have a point to prove. And I think that's one thing that kind of drives me and keeps a fire under me because no matter who you are, you always have something to prove. And I've, I really have that mentality that no matter what I do, I can always do more. So I think, uh, again, I've been drilled that it's been drilled into my mind since I was little. So you can never settle. Uh, and so what was the process of working with James like, um, to uh, like, was that a pretty dope experience to, to get a chance to work with probably the gnarliest guy to ever do it? 100%. 100%. I mean, he grow like growing up, I, I, I made it very clear. I was a Chad Reed fan. I was, I thought he had the best style. I thought he rode the best. Um, was he the fastest? No, but I always respected him. And then meeting James, I, we actually grew pretty close. Like I didn't really see him as James Stewart anymore. I saw him as more of a friend and he trained me and it was cool. And then obviously him him teaching me as a rider it, it was hard for him i feel like because he was so naturally talented and he did stuff like i'm talking about yeah. like when when i say i i do it without it's second nature like that's what he did and it, it's hard for somebody to explain the stuff that he used to do on a motorcycle to somebody that is doing it there and now and everything's a lot different so there was just a lot of stuff that i felt like he didn't really know how to explain because he was just so gifted as riding a dirt bike, probably the most talented and fastest guy on a dirt bike. But I just didn't feel like it was, we were getting the message relayed. Right. And I was, that's where I was kind of getting confused and whatnot. So I really was grateful working for him. I think it helped me a lot. I think being at his facility was really cool too. And getting just some of the experience and knowledge that he went through was obviously nice. And, um, yeah, I had a fun time working with him. So was he like trying to coach you in a sense, like with like ways to get faster or? Yeah, I mean, he was more that and just a lot of like mindset stuff and whatnot. And I feel like I kind of like to do stuff my own, not my own way, but I do like to tailor it to myself. And like when I, I wouldn't say it's, I'm not, I'm not hard to teach, but. I'm also been listening to the same person for my whole life. And he was kind of mm-hmm. going at it a bit a different way. He wanted me to like sit down a little bit more and I just wasn't meshing with it. I feel like I was get, losing that connect. I wasn't, I didn't feel connected to my motorcycle, which was not good when you're racing at a high level. So I was second guessing stuff and that's where I felt like I was just going downhill and he wasn't doing it obviously by on purpose. It was just, we, I was trying to do something and I didn't feel obviously super comfortable with it. I was trying because it is James Stewart telling you to do something like, you're not going to go out there and all, I'm just going to do what Mm -hmm. I want. I was trying to learn and he did, he brought stuff to the table that definitely helped me. And I will always 
be grateful for that opportunity to work with them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I could see how um, working with a guy that, like, I guess, yeah, it's so visceral, like the way that he rode a bike and the way that he raced, and it was just it was just so in the moment, man. Like, and he could just do this crazy shit. Like I could just see how that probably doesn't translate to like, like, how do you explain that? You, know? you can't explain it. I mean, it, some of the stuff that he did, you can't, you can't explain. So for me and everything's just changed so much with racing and whatnot. Like all of us can go fast. All of us can ride dirt bikes very well. And stuff that he did like quads and stuff like that the 450s are so much power that i mean we're we're doing jumps that a lot of guys wouldn't do back in the day so yeah i mean he was he was just so talented that it was hard for him to i feel like put it into words which is not his fault and he did obviously i did learn stuff from him and um like i said i was i think it was a positive thing and obviously now we aren't working together and i like I do like how it is right now, but, um, yeah, it was, it was obviously a, a dream come to, true to work with James Stewart. Cause he was probably the fastest guy on a dirt bike. And so what's the program now? Like, cause so it sort of sounds like it's kind of jumped around a little bit, like over the last 12 months, like, and it, it, you know, you're obviously like, you're searching for something to get like that consistent sort of base. Like, so is that something that's been dialed in this year? It's like, okay, this is what we're doing. We're sticking to this program. We're going to train here. We're going to like, just keep it super simple and like, keep it that routine. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm basically with the crew that, well, minus I have Peter Park, which was Chad Reed's trainer at one point, Ken's. So I have him off the bike, but on the bike, it's pretty much just me and my dad. And I think that's, that's how it was on the 250. And it seemed, uh, it seemed to, obviously we're in a different class and it's harder, but I think it worked out well for me there. And it, it just cuts. I think the biggest thing is cutting out, not cutting out people, but small, a small circle. And so I don't, I'm not hearing stuff from everybody on how to do something. I'm hearing it from somebody that I I've trusted my whole life. I have a new mechanic. I have Peter and suspension guy and then my team. So it's just keeping the group small and keeping the outside influences to a minimum and trying to hone in on what I need to work on and not, not be all over the place with what needs to be fixed. I think I need to focus on one thing. And this year I feel like I've been the most focused and locked in I've been since I've been professional. So that's positive and obviously I have a lot of fire underneath me because of last year and whatnot so I think that's a positive as well and just having a small circle and having people around me that I do trust and that I've been around my whole life so do you think James will be a better podcaster than a trainer I don't know I mean I haven't I heard he's having a new podcast so I I mean he'll he'll be good at it I mean he has stories on stories on stories so he can do he can go off of stories for pretty much probably as long as this podcast is going to be around so yeah. it's always going to be good and yeah. people people are going to want to listen to it so we'll see i haven't i don't know when the first one comes out but i did i did see something that he is starting a podcast i'm pretty stoked know. to listen to it like cause i'm sure yeah he's a funny he's a funny he's a funny dude like and it like uh away from the track like if you did you get to golf with him much yeah yeah we played golf quite a bit he's pretty he's funny 
yeah like he's like a fun dude you know like it and it, if it's not if it's not uh like i wonder the direction they're gonna go like i heard he's gonna be getting in like he's gonna be like flying guests in and it's gonna be like full sit down kind of kind of deal um so yeah it's like i feel like if it, it he doesn't have to just do all racing stories for it to be good like i think he can just be himself and just like talk shit like he's at a golf course and like he's a funny dude and like a cool guy yeah i think i think with his platform too like he's gonna be able to get i mean if he gets chad in there guys that he raced i don't know if ricky yeah. will go in there or not but yeah um he's gonna have people he's gonna have a platform to get people in there that are gonna have stories and it's gonna be obviously i think it's gonna have a lot of older generation people in there um and he'll probably have some riders from now but um yeah i mean he can just i'm just saying he could go off of just old stories but he's gonna obviously he has a good personality he's gonna be able to figure out how to run a podcast so um yeah i'm sure it'll be good i mean it's like bubba's world when he had it back in the day it was it was an entertaining show to watch so i'm sure he'll figure it out and i think it's something to do in your free time as well yeah what what do you think about i guess the sport in general like in terms of the media landscape and the way that you know like it really seems like it's been changing the last couple years like it seems like there's a lot more content out there there's a lot more people making content there's like the you know you've got your series with monster energy that you like it seems like you put a lot of effort into that which is super cool um so i don't know like do you are you stoked on like the way the sport's going in that sense or is like the media side of it still kind of fucking annoying in a way in a way i mean i always like i always want the sport to be growing because it's what i love to do and i i see other sports media and i see other platforms on whether it be basketball f1 MotoGP, and i feel like they are portrayed in a different way because it, it is a little bit more professional and that's one thing that i respect about this podcast is it's it's really professional in the way that you do it and the way it's ran so i try and just bring another side of that with the series like I, if i do something i want it done right so and i think that's a positive way of I think that's what's going on right now with media. I think everyone's kind of trying to change and make it so it is more professional. And I, I respect that because I think our sport deserves to be mainstream or more, whatever, whatever you want to call. I want, I think it has potential to be something bigger than what it is right now. And I think if everyone individually can help it get there or try, if, if it doesn't get there, it doesn't get there. But if it, if everyone puts effort in and tries to get it to that point, I think it's only a positive and, I think it has potential. I think a lot of athletes don't get to tell their story and they don't really get to open up at all. And I think that's hurts our sport a little bit and not every guy has their own platform. So I think that's uh, something that can be improved. And that's why I enjoy, I enjoy this stuff. I always, I've always thought about having like my own podcast and obviously it's, it's hard to do because you have to put a lot of, you know, obviously you have to put a lot of effort into something that you want to be good. And I don't have that kind of time right now, but I love to get to on and try and tell my story. And I think everyone, a lot of the guys that I race and a lot of guys in the sport have really good stories to tell as well. So the more that I can get out there and the more that people see that, I think it's only a positive for our sport. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I think that there's a, there's like an element of, it seemed like for me anyway, um, that people were like w- just waiting for the sport to blow up you know like yeah you, i agree you go like yeah this is super cool and it's like people are just like waiting and just doing the same shit over and over and over and over and not really like 
looking outside at other sports and you know people criticize me for always trying to compare it to the ufc and it's like well that's they sold the ufc for five billion dollars like mark Wahlberg is there every weekend Shaq is there every weekend like it's got this attraction to these people and it's like there's no difference to that to what our sport is you know what i mean like that um, obviously the sport is different but it's like same great personalities it's an exciting like action sport you can get really close to the action you know there's so many kind of similarities but it's just like people have to like you said you know uncommon amongst uncommon people like we got to start doing some uncommon shit and i think that's why jet's doing so great it's like he's really taken some risks with this shit and you know that the deegans with their youtube channel like that's a risk to do that like to follow a kid around for his entire life and to be so ingrained in that world but it's like i think that yeah for a lot of times people were just like hoping that the sport would get bigger and just like waiting for someone else to do it and it's just like why not like why can't why can't i have a podcast that millions of people listen to that get them excited to watch races and go to races and and you know be a part of the sport and why can't riders come on and swear and fucking carry on and talk about partying like why is that not okay like dana white literally tells journalists like they ask him a question and then he says fuck off if he doesn't want to answer the question you know it's not like everyone has to do that but it's like what are these rules that we're following like who who made these rules who said these rules are the what we need to do who said that we need to follow the same way that it's always like i don't understand where this has kind of come from and i think that yeah we're sort of starting to like see that a little bit now people are just kind of being okay with dipping out of that um you know that standard deal and it's like people should just lean into who they are and who they want to be yeah i agree and i think i mean i watch you watch post post game post race interviews from any sport and one thing i like about nba is like they can go on there and show their true colors like us like we can't cuss on there we get fined like we can't we've been so trained to do this so black and white and not have a personality that it's kind of hindered us. I think our sport in general, where I think a lot of other sports, you can have a little bit more color, a little bit more, I wouldn't say freedom, but you can just, I guess it is more freedom. You can do more. And I think just having more personality in general is, um, is a good thing. I think it can get out of control a little bit, but I think if you keep it obviously in a good spot and, um, just give the fans what they want to see. I think at the end of the day, people want to be, more connected to obviously the athlete and I guess have just more insight on what they do. And I think that's kind of the biggest thing. And, um, you want to follow somebody with a personality as well. And then it's, it's hard to show people that cause you feel like you're going to get, especially nowadays. I mean, mm-hmm. cancel culture is real. Like I, I can get loose. Like if I, yeah. if I go start going off the deep end, I can get stuff that just will not, would not go over well with modern day media. So you have to kind of control yourself, but there is, you have to let loose enough to be able to just show a personality because so many people nowadays, you see so many sports figures and people that are so black and white and it's just boring. And it's, I think that is some of what has hindered us a little bit as a sport in general. So do you legitimately get fined if you cuss? Yeah, you're supposed to. I don't. I haven't tested it out, but uh, you are supposed to get confined if you test it right now. How, wait, 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 wait. Actually, 
How no, much you have to do it. You, ha- you have to do it on do the. Know? You have to do it on the podium, I think, or a post race. Uh, okay. I want to say it's something stupid. I want to say it's like two thousand dollars or two grand. I think they say it in the riders' meeting. I will. I'll pay. I will pay your fine if you ever decide that you want to cuss on the podium. <laughs> I'll pay your fine. If it's a thousand, if it's two thousand bucks, I'll pay your fine. If I, I'll if I deal handshake on it right now. If I cuss once, it's gonna be bad because I'm gonna, I'm gonna. If I'm that mad to cuss on the podium, it's gonna, I'm gonna go off and I'm gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna I'm gonna lose. That's gonna not gonna be good. I'm gonna have seven fines because they're probably gonna add them up on how many cuss words I say. But I, yeah, it's. I'll pay one. <laughs> yeah, you'll pay one, then I'll get someone else to pay the other one. But no, it's. I don't know. It's just you're so you're paid to be such. You don't want to say the wrong thing, but I think a lot of people are so nervous on saying the wrong thing a lot of the times, and I think that's a lot of what our sport tries to teach is trying to be right for the media and not show any personality, and it, it tends to hurt us. And I enjoy doing stuff like this where you can, like, you can actually have a conversation with somebody and get more in depth because our. I think a lot of it is as well as it's all surface. Everyone sees you on race day. Yeah. And it's all surface stuff. No one gets in depth stuff. Like no one talks about their families, their what they grew up doing, where they came from. I mean, it's it's all surface stuff on race. How was your race? How was this? How was that? Um, why'd you do? Why'd you, why were you? Why'd you do so shitty? Um, or why? Why? Why was it good? It's just it's the same questions every weekend. And I feel bad for the media too because they can't. I feel like they are so used to putting that stuff out there they're feeling if they do something different it's just wrong so i don't know i'm mm. not a media person yeah, either, that's so. the, that, yeah but no like it's it's right man so like head the way that i've always seen it is it's like this uh it's like this funnel effect so it's like you've got the media side on this side and then it's like they're getting told what to do and then they're seeing like the results and then it's like we've always done it this way so this is the way you do it and it every year it just funnels and funnels and then the riders it's like down here and it's like you can't be like josh hansen you can't be like tyler evans you can't like as soon as there's anyone that's like outside on the fringe then the media ostracizes those people so it's like josh hill you can't do that you can't be jason lawrence you can't be fuck those guys fuck those guys and then the media makes such a it the media makes it so hard on those guys that it's almost like they are used as like an example of what you're not allowed to be. So then you just start to walk inside the lines and then it's like, it's slowly over the years, it just gets more and more refined to where you end up with Ryan Dungey. Like Ryan Dungey was like the peak. I love Ryan Dungey. He is a very, yeah, very so do I. He's hard not to respect. And that's him. just like, yeah, yeah. There's no, this is not a dig at Ryan in any sense of the word, but that's the product. Like that's the guy that we got because it was like perfectly colored between the lines and it's like that's great but everybody like that is super boring and it's like i think that it's just been this double-sided thing where like you've got well it's kind of like triple-sided so you've got like the manufacturers and the sponsors right and they're the ones that are paying the like essentially the industry is funded by a, a certain group of people so you've got like Honda, Yamaha, Kawasaki, KTM, Suzuki. They pay sponsorship money for Feld. And then you've got like Monster and Red Bull. They put a bit of money in. You've got like Proso Effort. So you've got these brands that like put this money in. And then they own the media. So like all of those people are paying the bills of the uh, people that are 
creating like the messaging for the sport so then you've got the media that don't want to step outside of that box because there's no money outside that box and there's never been money outside that box and then those the media guys dictate the way that the writers need to act because as soon as someone steps out of that box then the media guys go after them and then they eventually end up training the writers how to be so it's just been like generations of uh writers and brands and you know uh companies and it's just got into like this weird little period of stability where it's like this is the template of what you be as a racer this is the template of what you say as a media guy and this is what our sport looks like and i mean that's been one of my goals is like hey i'm gonna get my own money and then no one can tell me what i can do and no one can tell me what i can say and i can ask writers different shit i can do it differently and in my head anyway it's like you step outside of those boxes and then you can actually let somebody you know it's like you can give a writer a license to do and say and be whoever they want to be yeah i agree i mean i mean i would say it's in every every aspect of life or not i would say media in general in life it's all i you can't say whatever you want to say anymore which is unfortunate because a lot of people have a lot to say but they don't know necessarily know how to put the point across in the correct way and that's kind of i think a lot of people get nervous especially i mean just it's the media in general now is just they like to cancel people from saying one (laughs) one wrong thing and it's just same way in our sport i mean one person says one wrong thing and it's they make an example out of it and then everyone gets scared so mm. i don't know i think we definitely need to do a little bit something different i think they're getting they're getting better but it's just a very slow process and i think slow yeah yeah i think that supercross in general tries to push the i feel like they try to push the supercross event as like a show more than it is a sport like we are athletes like we need to athletes need to be able to tell their story more than the race needs to be you can't it's hard to bring supercross into life over a over a interview without looking at it Mm. so i think they try to push it as more of a show than it is really a sport and that's i think can somewhat hinder us because you only have a i feel like a show only has a certain amount of a ceiling a sport is easier to follow more people are into it um they like to hear about the athlete they like to hear about rivalries what's going on in the sport what's new and a show is just what it, it is what you get you go there you expect yep. a certain thing and that's what you get and i think that's kind of where we're at yep. right now yeah well like dude again ufc it's like who's the who's the biggest star in the ufc like who's is like people are going to tune in to watch conor mcgregor no yeah. matter what 100%. he doesn't have to be the champion he doesn't have he doesn't have to win a title like there's one dude that like elevated the sport and like jet is gonna do that for the sport i think like jets you you know you can already hear the outdoor podium it's like ah, like yeah. it's fucking chicks you know what i mean like when what wait when did that happen and it's like jet's gonna bring that and then danger boy is gonna bring you know his fan like we kind of need to i personally think and this is like the ufc model is like riders should be bigger than the sport like what you said like the athletes eclipse the sport and that's what brings people in like michael jordan was brought people to motocross tiger woods brought people to golf like golf was never bigger than michael uh than tiger woods basketball was never bigger than michael jordan and it's like i i i think that 
by you know by the media trying to control the narrative and by like trying to paint this perfect picture of like what this sport is you're just never going to allow for like that superstar that can come along and elevate the sport to the next level like if you watch the ufc it's always been and i've been a fan of that for 20 years like i loved martial arts my entire life i've watched it go from nothing to one of the biggest sports in the world and at every stage there's an athlete that comes along and elevates the sport george st pierre elevated the sport brock lesnar elevated the sport john jones elevated the sport conor mcgregor elevated the sport boxing and floyd mayweather i don't watch fucking boxing fights unless it's like a floyd mayweather or a canelo i don't like boxing as much as i like those boxes and i think that it's the same like dude ricardo in f1 there is so many people that do not give a shit about f1 but love daniel ricardo so and i think that the sport is like doing itself a disservice by making guys like you feel like you can't be who you want to be because it's just not giving you a chance to like be the guy that brings people to the sport yeah and i i think what you said is is very true and i think the one thing with me and if you look at tiger woods michael jordan whoever it is kobe bryant all those guys they there's a fine line between being a show like the person i would say is either you either can be the show and not achieve anything or you have to have a fine line. You have to go out there and win because I, Michael Jordan is not Michael Jordan without him winning. He was not, I wouldn't say Michael Jordan's personality wasn't something great. It was something that people could respect and look up to because he was as gnarly was as what he was. And that's why I look up to him. Tiger Woods, the same exact way. So I think you have to, which is my goal. I want to be, like I said, uncommon amongst uncommon people. I want to win, get that respect. And then you have more of a, you have more of a foot to stand on. I would say you have more money, Mm. you have more resources to do stuff. You have everyone behind you. So that's kind of the, where I think is what the sport needs to kind of allow, allow that when you have that foot to stand on, you need to be able to go out there and show it. So yeah. that's kind of where I'm at. I want to work my, my butt off, my ass off to get to that point where I'm winning consistently where our, like James or like a Ricky or someone. I think the sport is not beyond that, but I think it's hard to win consistently like that. But I think I have what it takes to get to that spot. And I think once I can, if I can do that and get to where I'm winning consistently and then I have that platform to stand on, I can do a lot more. I have more, a lot more freedom like Michael joining with, it's, it takes that one thing, like him doing Nike, where Nike wasn't even a... Yeah. Nike was not... It was nothing. It wasn't nothing, but it wasn't what it is today without Michael, without Jordan. People still... Mm. The Jordan shoe is the most iconic shoe. I wouldn't even say, honestly, because... I mean, it is because of Michael. He's the one that gave it that, that base to stand... Like, that platform. But that shoe is just cool looking and you have to have that partnership. I think a lot of it has to do with having a partnership that you can work with and something that's a little bit different and something that you can, um, push to other people and having that, like you have to have two sides. You can't just be an athlete and win, have no Mm. personality. You have to have a personality. You have to have a partnership with somebody to allow you to do certain things and to, I guess, get out to certain people. And I think that's what grows the sport ultimately because, like Ricky James, James brought a lot to the sport because he was really good. 
won a lot was flashy and you can't be you can't be one or the other you can't you can't be a guy that doesn't win and has a personality you have to be able to win I mean you couldn't be you can be but you're not going to be bigger than the sport you have to win and you have to have the personality to go along yeah. with it so that's kind of um I guess the goal too so um but yeah that's kind of my my opinion on that well we uh we've done three hours and uh i think that you are definitely i will go on record quite comfortably saying that you're going to win multiple 450 main events this year i just got a feeling um so i think you're on your way to uh doing what you you just laid out and man i've yeah i've really enjoyed talking to you i knew i'd enjoy this one but i've really really enjoyed it and i hope you know like i said i, I never really try and give advice but yeah, I, I definitely can like see some stuff that I think uh, I can kind of relate to in that sense. So hopefully that uh, don't take that the wrong way, but um, I've really enjoyed it, dude. Like really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's been, it goes by fast. This is, this is nothing I could talk forever, but yeah, it, I appreciate being on and um, hopefully we can do a, a version of this after I uh, go out and do what I've been talking about. That's kind of, you gotta, you can talk about it, but you gotta be about it. So that's uh I kind of put that on the paper this year and um, I think it's going to be exciting for everybody for you as a media um, it's it's going to be fun to watch because it's going to be gnarly this year there's a lot of a lot of egos and only one guy wins so it's going to be exciting yeah man I'm stoked and yeah like uh, open door policy man like if you ever want to do this again if anything ever goes down and you like need to say shit that you you know feel like you can't say that door's always uh is always open for you mate so uh we'll definitely definitely do it again and uh i'm gonna i'm gonna get into that founder training as well i think watch you'll be a new rider after this and i i actually like it i can come on here and say whatever i want now so i i know i have that yeah i have that that base <laughs> i could come on if i want to say something about i probably won't say it about anybody but if i have anything i need to say you come right here and you can you can get the tea from you can it'll probably uh I mean, people are going to listen to it and probably cut it and freaking make me look like an idiot. But no, it's uh, it's good to have something like this where you can you can't go on. I mean, Pulp is great, but you go on there and everyone listen. Not a lot of people listen to this, but I feel like you have a you pull from different areas and people like to listen to it more than just racing and whatnot. And they like to look, get to know somebody, which is different from a lot of the media. So I appreciate you having me on, and yeah, it's been fun. This has went by uh, super fast. Yeah, that's one of the things, like, I always tell people, like, whenever anyone asks about how long it is, I say three hours. I think a lot of people, like, balk at it. Like, dude, Tom Janae, so when Tom did the podcast, he was, like, like, he was nervous because he thought he would have nothing to talk about. We ended up talking about fucking Pornhub chicks that we follow, OnlyFans, like, the three hours gone. And it was, like, fan favorite. Like, people have not stopped talking about that episode. So I was just like, people need to trust me three hours is fine you can do it in a heartbeat we could easily go another hour on this but i just don't want to i just don't want to fuck with jacob's time <laughs> too much more but um, uh it's it's like so much easier than what people think right yeah it's not i mean i've always been a big talker and like it's it's so easy to go on a pod especially with someone you relate with like i feel like we have personal like similar personalities and um it's always fun to talk about something like deeper than just racing too because everyone's so pinpoint on oh how's the season how's off season how's that and everyone's gonna say they feel great but it all comes down to 
no one no one really tells the truth at the end of the day because no one wants to show their cards but I think it's cool to have like I said something like this where you can come on and talk about something that people can relate to and I think that's the biggest thing I think that's what a lot of like we said what we're missing and I feel like we're all we're all normal people we all put our pants on the same way in the morning so yeah I've I've uh, I've had a blast and hopefully uh we can do one after uh maybe at the first win that'd be a that'd be a good one yeah down man you're always welcome (laughs) yeah well thank you man i appreciate it